Excelsior! That's what Stan Lee used to say, isn't it? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pick 6 Movies, where each season we select six, yes, six movies, all related to a single theme. And then on each episode, we take a look at the people in front of and behind the camera and try to make some sense out of how and why each of these movies got made. But on top of all that, we give you a detailed review of the movie at no extra charge. I'm Chad Cooper, and along with my co-host and very good friend, Mr. Bo Ransdell, we are proud to present the final episode of this season, The Old Men and DC, where we took on six live-action films, all based on DC comic book superheroes, or in the case of this movie, supervillains. This is episode six, where we are going to flip the script and see what happens when the bad guys are the good guys. Now, throughout the existence of mankind, most Western philosophers and religious leaders alike have struggled with the dichotomy of good and evil, with the latter being the opposite of the former, in which good would stand triumphant over evil. Now, in contrast, the Buddhist perspective views good and evil as two parts of a singular duality that itself must be reconciled through the recognition of these as coexisting principles and thus achieving oneness. But the subject of this episode doesn't do anything like this at all. It's mostly a bunch of loud noises, shallow character development, derivative plot lines that are all potential fodder for litigation by the makers of Ghostbusters. But don't just take my word for it, take the word of Mr. Bo Ransdell as he introduces us to the final episode of this six-pack rock'em sock'em extravaganza. So without any further delay, here is the up to my down, the black to my white, the good to my bad, the day to my night. The one, the only, Mr. Bo Ransdell and his introduction to Suicide Squad. Good God, this is a long episode. Edit that last part out, okay? In a word... Suicide Squad is trash. In two words, it's ugly trash. So said Wall Street Journal critic Joe Morgenstern, who went on to call the movie, quote, an all-out attack on the whole idea of entertainment. While that is admittedly a hilarious review, is it true? Is Suicide Squad really such a festering pustule on the face of cinema? Or is it just the needy middle child of DC's superhero universe? But let's start at the beginning, shall we? The Suicide Squad is a collection of villains forced to act on behalf of humanity in the face of dangers great and small. The first incarnation appeared in 1959 on a six-issue run and pretty much went into hibernation after that until the mid-80s, when Rick Flagg led a team of supervillains into battle. The team members included Deadshot, Enchantress, and Captain Boomerang, all we'll discuss in more detail during this episode, and even included Amanda Waller as the bureaucrat in charge of this rotating squad of ne'er-do-wells. Interestingly, the Suicide Squad, or Task Force X as they were often called in the comics, was often the place where unloved characters went to die. Because the name of the team was The Suicide Squad, if some bumbling supervillain from 1964 feels out of place in the current comic series, why not let Amanda Waller send King Cupcake or whatever to die on a renegade mission? 
it raised the stakes for the comics and made them seem significant. There were variants through the years, but few included the Batman nemesis Harley Quinn because, well, she hadn't been invented yet. While Harley Quinn may have become ubiquitous in the DC Universe, appearing in the DC Injustice fighting game, starring in her own comic with gal pal Poison Ivy, hanging on the Joker's arm, none of it existed until the early 90s. She's not even 30. When Bruce Timm needed a sidekick for the Joker for his Batman series, he had his inspiration in the days of our lives. Yeah, the soap opera. Batman the Animated Series was a huge success, both critically and commercially. Riding high on the popularity of Batman in the movies, Tim and writer Paul Dini created a stylistic and timeless version of Gotham and its rogues gallery of villains that was perfect for kids, but layered enough that nerdy adults with Batman tattoos on their forearms that are crooked because Jeff doesn't know how to draw freehand, jerk, those guys and gals enjoyed it too for its reverence to the Batman lore and the excellent portrayals of its characters. The storytelling was rich, the animation was spectacular, and the voice actors perfectly suited for their roles, especially Kevin Conroy as the Batman. In an episode entitled Joker's Favor, Tim thought the Joker wouldn't do this himself, although he did in the final version of the story, so Tim invented a sidekick, a character who would serve as a walk-on for this episode and then go away. Only she didn't. Tim cast the inspiration for the character as the voice, a Days of Our Lives actress named Arlene Sorkin. Tim and Sorkin were friends since college, and Tim was particularly struck by a scene from Sorkin's soap opera where she appeared in a dream sequence as a jester, complete with face pain and the Harlequin outfit. Coupled with Sorkin's brash voice, she made for a perfect sidekick to the Clown Prince of Crime. Borrowing from another friend, Tim gave his new creation a troubled relationship with the Joker, a lover who would always come back even when abused by her clearly insane boyfriend. A couple of years later, Tim and Paul Dini would write and draw the comic Mad Love in 1994, examining Harley Quinn's origins. In their imaginings, Harleen Quinzel is a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum. It's here she meets and ultimately is seduced by the Joker and his madness. She volunteers to help treat him and helps him escape. When the Joker is returned to Arkham by Batman, the good doctor renounces her former life and becomes Harley Quinn, the Joker's on-again, off-again lover and headcase. She was an immediate success. She would appear more and more on the animated series and made the leap to comics as part of the, quote, real continuity when she appeared in the No Man's Land storyline in the Batman comics. She got her own series in 2001, which ran until 2003, and then she bounced around some of the Batman titles, then settled in as part of the Birds of Prey's Secret Six team, but found teamwork to be less her style. In the Gotham City Sirens series, she teamed up with Poison Ivy and Catwoman in a story that included her attempting to kill the Joker in Arkham Asylum, only to help him take the place over, and ultimately Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn try to kill Catwoman for betraying them, and it's a whole thing. In the late 2000s, Harley Quinn would be forced by Black Canary to join the Suicide Squad, and a few years later, in 2013, she got her own solo series again, 
In fact, in 2016, when yet another relaunch of Harley Quinn's character occurred as a result of the DC's New 52 initiative to pare down some of its old characters, the Harley Quinn title shipped more than any other. Jim Lee, the co-publisher of DC, ranks Harley Quinn up there with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman as one of the pillars of their success. She outshines Wonder Woman as the most popular, in terms of sales anyway, female character in the DC Universe. And it's no wonder. She's a crazy anti-hero with an abusive boyfriend who also sometimes just happens to be romantic with Poison Ivy and other ladies in the DC stable of characters. That's right. A crazy bisexual anti-hero known for skimpy outfits is insanely popular. Who knew? There was no denying, though, that Harley Quinn was a star. And a star was just what the struggling DC movie franchise needed. In December of 2014, The Hollywood Reporter confirmed that David Ayer would be directing Suicide Squad, and that Will Smith, Tom Hardy, Margot Robbie, and more had signed on. You may say to yourself, Tom Hardy isn't in Suicide Squad, dummy. That's right. He dropped out to make The Revenant, opening the door for Joel Kinnaman to step into the shoes of Rick Flagg. Will Smith would play Deadshot, the villain who never misses a shot. Roby would be Harley Quinn. And Jared Leto would be the new Joker. Also, Jai Courtney and Carla Delevingne would be cast. The release date had been set. August 5th, 2016, Suicide Squad would be in theaters. In July of 2015, a trailer was released to the viewers at Hall H in San Diego's Comic-Con. Almost immediately, a shaky version of the trailer recorded on someone's phone hit the internet. Warner Brothers tried to stop it, but, to quote Mr. Universe, you can't stop the signal, Mal. Warner Brothers decided to release the trailer officially with the following statement. Warner Brothers Pictures and our anti-piracy team have worked tirelessly over the last 48 hours to contain the Suicide Squad footage that was pirated from Hall H on Saturday. We have been unable to achieve that goal. Today, we will release the same footage that has been illegally circulating on the web, in the form it was created, and high quality with which it was intended to be enjoyed. We regret this decision, as it was our intention to keep the footage as a unique experience for the Comic-Con crowd, but we cannot continue to allow the film to be represented by the poor quality of the pirated footage stolen from our presentation. The trailer featured a slowed-down version of the BG's I Started a Joke, and gave us the first glimpses of Deadshot and Harley Quinn, who, let's face it, was the real draw here. The trailer suggested the tone of the recent Man of Steel, and hearkened the coming of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which would premiere in March of the following year, ahead of Suicide Squad. Led by Zack Snyder, the DC Universe was a dark one, and nothing about this trailer for Suicide Squad suggested a break in the oppressive darkness of this cinematic world. The release of Batman v Superman changed the equation. Not only did critics deride the gloominess of this comic fantasy, the numbers were solved. In January, another trailer for Suicide Squad had been released, accompanied by a cut of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. The trailer was colorful, vibrant, and energetically paced. It made Suicide Squad look, you know, good. The company behind it was called Trailer Park, 
We'll get back to them in a minute. As numbers and the critical drubbing from Batman v Superman set in, Warner Brothers executives were looking to turn the ship around and make the DC comic franchise as beloved as competitor Marvel. Marvel scored big in August of 2014 with Guardians of the Galaxy, a similar story in the minds of WB higher-ups. We have a ragtag group of misfits on a high adventure, only the dailies coming out of production weren't the good time movie Warner Brothers had in mind. Nor should it have been following in the wake of the DC Extended Universe's output so far. Marry that with the ethos of David Ayer, the writer of Training Day and End of Watch and Fury, you know, that Brad Pitt tank movie, Ayer dealt with heavy themes. None of his movies to that point could feasibly be described as fun. During filming, Ayer was intense and his choice for Joker, Jared Leto, was only fueling the rumors coming out of the set. Leto was sending used condoms to his co-stars, he was sending rats to Margot Robbie, he refused to talk to anyone on set out of character. There was, to put it succinctly, a madness to Leto's method acting. As Aaron and Warner Brothers battled over the film's tone, the release date of August 2016 was approaching. Warner Brothers had no desire to move off their already agreed upon date of release as much for marketing reasons as anything. Imagine telling all the companies you have tie-ins with that their Suicide Squad branded cups and value meals that have already started printing won't have a movie to go with them. Nope, Suicide Squad was coming out in August come hell or high water, and hell and high water were on the menu, as test screenings of Air's cut were failing against alternate cuts made by the studio. Trailer Park, remember them, were called in after their work on the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer only they were being asked to edit a whole movie. Likewise, reshoots were scheduled to make Ayer's film more tonally in line with the vision of good time shenanigans the studio had. The movie was cut, reshot, fussed over, and rearranged to make Suicide Squad the comic movie people wanted to see and to steer the ship away from the perceived failure of Batman v Superman. Only when it finally came out, Warner Brothers got half of what they wanted. The reception was as schizophrenic as the film itself. As I implied in the opening, the movie was a critical failure. Perhaps not quite as bad as Batman v Superman, but only Margot Robbie and Will Smith came off well in the wake of the release, both singled out in reviews as bright spots. While it was a disaster going by the reviews, it was enormously successful. Harley Quinn appeared in one of the worst reviewed entries in a critically unpopular cinematic universe and came out on top. Immediately, DC announced that they would be in the Harley Quinn business with at least three films featuring her character. Birds of Prey, Gotham City Sirens, and Suicide Squad 2, later known as The Suicide Squad, were all booked. In the following months, Ayer, who had been working on a script for the sequel, was moved to the Gotham City Sirens project and James Gunn, fresh off being dumped by Marvel for some poorly advised tweets from years before, was brought in to work his magic on the script after Ayer left, only to be named director of the now-titled The Suicide Squad. Birds of Prey was retitled Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, a title I like quite a lot, and another Harley Quinn and the Joker movie has been announced too. But what of Suicide Squad itself? Is it the tonal mess it's been accused of? Is it 
in fact, an attack on the whole idea of entertainment. To answer that, I offer to my friend Chad and all of you deviants, 2016's Suicide Squad. So, folks, here we are. Welcome back. Uh, this is the season finale of season five, The Old Men and DC, <laughs> which I still love. I still stand <laughs> by this title. It has been a, a a real joy this season. These movies have been wonderfully bad. Uh, in one case, wonderfully bad in a way that has made me fall in love all over again. So we'll talk about that on the back end here. But first, welcome, Chad. I almost forgot I didn't introduce you yet. How are you, sir? Bo, I'm doing great, and uh, I appreciate the introduction. I was quietly waiting in the background, standing three feet from greatness, backing you up as I always do, letting you take the lead, performing the same dance moves that you do, fly, only backwards in high heels. Fly. <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> so, look, man, this is, we are going out in style. In real, like, holy shit, the style of this movie. I have a handful of people that I know that listen to our show. And one of the things is a very polite uh, compliment that they say they always feel a little bit sad at the end of each episode because, you know, things draw down. They don't get to hear our wacky bullshit back and forth. I just want to go ahead and say right now, this is going to be a jumbo sized episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both got a lot to say about this. And we're talking about Suicide Squad. Let's get that out of the way. 2016 Suicide Squad. Not the most recent movie we've done, but pretty close. I mean, that's only uh, three years ago now as of this recording. Seems like yesterday, but it was long ago. Forgive me for dropping into the Siegs periodically uh, tonight. This is a musical kind of evening. Did Had you seen this movie before? I had seen this movie once before. I really paid attention to it for this show. And for me, this movie really came not only to me, but to theaters with a lot of baggage. You noted this in the intro that there were reports of Jared Leto as the Joker getting all method in his portrayal of the, you know, clown prince of mayhem. And when we reviewed uh, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, you know, you really criticized Jim Carrey for pulling this stunt when he played Andy Kaufman. And I kind of gave Jim Carrey a pass on that one because Andy Kaufman was a bit of an eccentric in real life, to say the least. Mm. But Jared Leto pulling this shit for this movie is inexcusable. And I realize that I am not measuring each of these performances with the same ruler, but he missed the first few days of shooting. The, as you pointed out in the intro, he's sending anal beads and condoms to people. He's mailing animal carcasses. You know what, man? Cut this shit out. It, enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know who cares about that? Nobody. Knock it off. We all have jobs to do. And by the way, you know what? Daniel Day-Lewis pulled this same act when he was playing Lincoln. How about this? Why don't you act like an adult from planet <laughs> Earth and just stop it? You know what? Lincoln at least seems pleasant. You know, like if you were stuck talking to Abraham Lincoln, it would get irritating after a while if you were like, hey, Dan, you want? do you want a slider from 
craft services. What are these sliders you speak of? You're like, oh, God damn it. Just, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring you one and you're lucky if I don't spit on it. How about that? Reportedly, Jared Leto went to New York and Toronto and tried out different laughs to see which one made people more uncomfortable. Guess what? It was all of them. You mean like you don't need to be in a major city (laughs) cackling out loud shithead and then david Ayer, our writer director who put up with and i'm guessing condone condone this type of dramatic nonsense he said in an interview with total film in regard to leto's performance as the joker and i quote when he steps onto the set the world stops everything stops what he's done is so powerful so menacing so palpable you can feel him the crew stops working and just watches him I have to get everybody going again because he's so fascinating. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll bet you did. Can you even imagine a unionized crew putting up with this type of diva bullshit? It's just, it's inexcusable. Like, it, it, like, like hey, don't. Take a look at this one. I swear to God, sometimes I think I'm on the wrong side of the camera, but then I stop and I think, you know what? There ain't enough money in the world to buy my dignity. Look at this guy jumping around, screaming and yapping. Don't nobody even act like that. Hey, you know what? I shit in a hoagie wrapper and I stuffed it up under the seat of that Mercedes-Benz Cabriolet. He flits around with, (laughs) what an asshole. Oh, that's a good one, Frankie. (laughs) Hey, Mr. J, how about you think about just stepping where the tape is? All right, we'd all like to get home to our wives. It just drives me fucking nuts. And I've got a, you know what? Let's, you know, let's just keep going. Yeah, all right. I'm going to spend 90 minutes just talking about how pissed I, uh, pissed off I am at his performance. So yeah, it's a rightful anger, but we'll get to it. So first of all, again, this is the, the course correction, right? From Batman v Superman, the big bummer of a superhero movie that it was, where it's just two, the good guys threatening each other all through the movie about bleeding and shit (laughs) and head scratchingly audiences were like well that sucked and (laughs) warner brothers was like all right the next one's gotta be good y'all you gotta have a real deal movie star and we start off with will smith who will henceforth be known as deadshot sometimes we change the actors and the characters but he's he's pretty much a deadshot in this whole movie even before that we've got the warner brothers logo is all fancy and colorful immediately needle drop immediately right out of the gate to let you know what you're in for house of the rising sun starts and you're like oh yeah it's good to be back in dc movie land where the the music will tell me how to feel about a scene and as you said, Deadshot is is punching uh, a bag in prison. And there's this whole exchange where uh, the guard fucks with him about the loaf. Um, where he's he's like, hey, you know, the, the food we serve you, uh, what the fuck is this? He's like, it's loaf. He goes, what the fuck is loaf? And uh, the, the guard is, is kind of fucking with him. And Will Smith says, you know, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to rain down on you like the Holy Ghost. And the guard is like, well, you threatened a staff member. And then they immediately just beat the ever-living shit out of Will Smith, which is almost timely because today was the big Aladdin reveal. And I feel like uh, this was a metaphor for the internet today. I don't understand any of what the hell you're talking about. 
I felt like that the the prison guard who's played by Ike Barinholtz, I don't know if he's being cast against type or if he's just treading in the footsteps of Phil Hartman's career. Because I liked Ike Barinholtz on Mad TV. I liked him in Neighbors and Neighbors 2. He's a good interview on Howard Stern. And in this movie, he playing this prison guard, he just kind of is like slowly bleeding into regularly playing douchebag second bananas. <laughs> Do you think he is just evolving into a Wahlberg? That's what he looks like to me in this movie. He does look like a Wahlberg now yeah. that you say that. Uh-huh. You if think he, that he could open up a an alternate burger chain called like Eichenburgers? Bunnenholtz? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, look, I'm no marketer, Chad, but I think we're sitting on a million dollar idea and we're going to edit this shit out. <laughs> have a primary issue with this movie and i've got countless secondary issues but there is (laughs) yeah there is one that i want to go ahead and just address right now the entire suicide squad is a misunderstood gang of lovable louts that you'd understand better if you just took a little time to as john lovitz once said get to know me Why did I never wear a hat? Why was I banned from Bangkok? Why do women call me the anchor? Get to know me. See, I would argue every (laughs) character in this movie ends where they begin in a way that is entirely frustrating and makes everything that happens in this movie meaningless. I can't disagree with that. I I just think that it's similar to all of the villains from those first three Spider-Man movies where they're bad guys, but they're doing it for very honest well-guided reasons like like their bad behavior is done from a place of goodness that is just manifested in a very destructive way right whereas deadshot is a sociopathic killer as we come to find out i don't think so i think he's just a guy who just who kills people for a living but no and i also think that will smith is is miscast in this movie completely yes He's just too charming and likable to play this much of a bad guy. And in this movie, you know, speaking of bad guys, it's time that we meet a bad girl. And at this point, we we really need to, you know, you've talked about the soundtrack <laughs> of this particular film. And welcome back to the countdown. And we are stuck in the year 1964. You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. Five years after this... I was voicing Shaggy on Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Until 1995, when I was asked to voice Shaggy for a Burger King commercial. I said no, because I was vegan and couldn't promote people eating hamburgers. So, I was fired. This is Casey Kasem. Let's get back to the movie Suicide Squad. (laughs) Yeah. Two scenes, second song. Let's just keep a quick count here. Then, uh, Ike Bunnenholtz comes (laughs) in, and is like... It's Harley Quinn, and she is uh, like Cirque du Soleil around her her cell, which is a Hannibal Lecter cell in the middle of a gymnasium for no good reason. My notes read, Harley Quinn is in a small barbed wire prison cube that's in a smaller barbed wire fence inside a larger room cell, the kind of holding area reserved for your Hannibal Lecters or your Dr. Evils. So we're on the same page here. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks like an art installation. And <laughs> Ike Barinholtz gives her a little sexual double entendre that she throws back. 
And then eventually Harley Quinn gets zapped with electricity because she's touching the bars of her cell. And we get this flashback of her having beat up a bunch of guards with this choreographed fighting maneuvers. No, she didn't. And in fairness, this vision of hers <laughs> brought about by the electrical shock, apparently, ends with her getting the shit beat out of her, too, which is yeah. the, the only realistic thing about it. Right. Even in the flashback, Ike Barinholtz says to the other guards, come on, you're six foot four. She's a tiny little girl, which, yeah, she is. She has no superpowers. She has no formal training in martial arts or, or other means of beating people up. She is a tiny woman. You are huge men with guns. This is not happening. Right. She's just a crazy person. That's her superpower is nuts. You know, that, which is no kind superpower. of superpower, right? Unless your unless your alternate identity is a homeless person down by the Greyhound station screaming at a trash can while you piss yourself. Well, you know, old Miss Mister J come and talk to me all the time, Mister J. Mister J, move you along. Know I'm here. Move along. No, no you want to go downtown. Move along. Pull I'm just here up. to feed the pigeons. I, I don't need to see your dick. Pull pull your pants up. I'll take you downtown, Crazy R. Oh, just don't, don't just about you J. don't have to. Nope. Don't mean you don't want to. <laughs> so, yeah. So she has, uh, you know, all her her dream sequence, and then kind of snaps out of it, and then just runs headfirst into the bars to knock herself out. Yeah, you remember when Chevy Chase did that in Memoirs of an Invisible Man? I didn't think it was possible, but as you pointed out in our review of Steel, two corroborating instances of something happening. That's enough for me to believe it's possible, so... Now, uh, I don't know. I feel a song coming on, Chad. <laughs> Back to the countdown. In 1968, the Rolling Stones released their hit song, Sympathy for the Devil. 14 years after my wife, Jean Kasem, was born. Jean would go on to portray Jean, Laura Tortelli, on Cheers. Her character was married to Nick Tortelli, played by Dan Hedia who also played the father of Roxbury Guys in 1998's Night at the Roxbury, which was featured in Season 2, Episode 6 of Pick 6 Movies. Let's get back to the movie Suicide Squad. I really enjoy that. That's three needle drops in less than four minutes. Now, this is impressive. Well, we head to Washington, D.C., and we get to meet Amanda Waller, who's played by Viola Davis, who you may remember for multiple things that are better than this movie, including How to Get Away with Murder, The Help, Fences, everything else she's ever been in. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so she's like narrating for a minute in the wake of Superman's death. And you're instantly like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a shared universe? Holy shit. Is Superman going to be in this? What about Lex Luthor? Dude, is Wonder Woman going to be in this? Oh my God, this might actually be good. Oh wait, shit, nope, it's not. Never mind. You know, and here's the thing that really pisses me off because we get the the title at this point and it's all colorful and shit. And but yeah, because somebody forgot to edit that in, and they were like, "Did you ever put a title at the beginning of this movie?" Oh shit. Hold on. How about here? This was a real like science project the night before it's due kind of situation with this movie, where it's like, "Oh fuck, the title." All right, uh. How about people uh, know what movie they're going to? Jesus Christ! It's like it's like announcing the, the the fucking movie you're reviewing on your podcast. They clicked on that shit. They don't need to hear that. Hey, it says it right on the ticket. Why do they need to see it on the screen? They know what they came to see. Do it on the back, maybe. I don't know. How? The, <laughs> what if you just use a pen? 
Oh, it's all digital now. Oh, Did shit. Did you ever see the fucking Lion King? That goddamn movie starts. The whole thing plays. And you know where the title is? It's at the end. That's classy. It's called Art. Yeah, fucking shithead. Hold on. Give me that hoagie wrapper. <laughs> Leto's driving in. Oh. What pisses me off about this is the laziness of it. I hate a movie. Like, I don't mind a well-placed, you know, licensed song in a movie. It can it can be incredibly effective because music is really evocative. It's emotionally evocative. I still fucking cry when I listen to Elvis Costello's Veronica, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I know. But, so when you hear Sympathy for the Devil and see, like, SUVs and a motorcade and shit, it's like... This is pretty cool, right? And then you stop and think about it. It's like, yeah, it's cool because of the song. Otherwise, it's just two cars driving. Well, yeah, that's why they put it in there, bro. Come on, man. Pay attention. Shit. (laughs) But but it's lazy. It's such a cheat. It's a cheap way to make your movie, like, watchable. And that's the secret, like, the secret evil of Suicide Squad is if you're not paying attention, it's all right. You know, because a lot of stuff is going on. There's like somebody's kicking things around and there's these bubble faces and it's, you know, things are happening. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, I guess that was okay. The music was fun. But meanwhile, if you stop and think about anything for like two and a half seconds, it's like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? So, all right. So Viola Davis is having this big meeting with a bunch of military types. I'm calling her Amanda Waller. From here on out. She is portraying this character. And when she meets with these military types, they are in this fancy steakhouse. And everyone at this table proceeds to chomp down on some beef. Like they are eating beef. Like I've never seen beef eaten before in a movie. You know what it reminded me of? Remember in Rushmore when Bill Murray eats that carrot? I mean, he eats the shit out of that carrot. I mean, dude, they are eating beef in this movie. It's pretty good. It made me want a steak, quite frankly. Uh, I kind of want one now. But that's true of pretty much every moment of my living day. Um, so she, uh, they're like, hey, this isn't that stupid-ass project you've been talking about, right? And she's like, mm-hmm. I got them. The worst <laughs> of the worst. <laughs> I, got, I got some meta, meta humans. Give me that A1. I got some meta humans, and they're gonna they're gonna fight bad guys when they when they show up. I got some gristle here. Oh, hold on. Oh. Like, mm. I got dead shot. He shoots. No one in the Suicide <laughs> Squad, save one of them, has superpowers. They, they just don't. Deadshot can shoot a gun. That is not a superpower. That is a, a learned skill or maybe a, a marginal talent. You know, Harley Quinn has a baseball bat and she's nuts. That is not a superpower. I, I don't even think Killer Croc, and we'll get to all this later. No one has superpowers in this group. You, well, you've pulled back the curtain on the wizard that is DC kind of sucks. Marvel has better heroes. It just does. It has better villains, too. Batman excluded. Batman gets a pass because Batman's pretty cool. It is just a dude, but it's all right. Unless he's in any of these movies. And in that case, he's just a bit of a dumb-dumb. Right, right. Let's, let's let's run down our list of superheroes. Because right. here, she's gone. Introduce them all. Hold on a minute. More sour cream. You got a gravy caddy or what? <laughs> 
Amanda Waller says uh, that, that it, you know, we got to look at Superman and luckily he shared our values, whatever that means. But the next Superman might not. So I've put together this ragtag band of villains to do battle if things get crazy again. And so we start off, we have Deadshot mm-hmm. who shoots bullets. Our intro to this character, because every character needs to be introduced a minimum of three times in this movie. Next on the countdown, <laughs> Kanye West with his hip-hop classic, Black Skinhead, from September 2nd, 2005. Oh, boy. From during a concert for Hurricane Relief to benefit the victims of Hurricane Katrina, Kanye West famously had an impromptu diatribe and said on live TV that George Bush doesn't care about black people while standing beside a visibly stunned Mike Myers. Myers, of course, one of the two stars of Wayne's World 2, which was featured on season two, episode one of Pick 6 Movies. Let's get back to the movie Suicide Squad. You know, the look on Mike Myers' face when that happens is one of my favorite things that's ever happened since I've been alive. When I am having a rough day, (laughs) I will go look that up and watch that, and it (laughs) never, ever ceases to disappoint. And the cherry on top of that is after Kanye has his impromptu speech and Mike Myers reads the teleprompter to fill it in when they cut to Chris Tucker who is equally as stunned as to what the hell just happened it's it is so good it's making me smile right now thinking about can you hear me smiling yeah I'm so happy uh so our, our intro to Will Smith is that he's on the phone with this mob boss who is, has hired him to, to shoot an informant, but the money's not in Will Smith's account yet. And he's like, hey, I'm not shooting anybody. But he's Will Smith, so he's real charming about it. He's like, yo, I ain't killing nobody till I see this money. And the guy's like, uh, you do the job and I'll pay you. And he's like, that ain't how it works. He's getting away. I can, you know, he's 30 feet away and he's going to be singing to the feds. And the mob boss is finally like, fine, I'll I'll pay and then he's like nope because you may you were uh rude to me it's now double what he actually says is double it for being a dickhead right i love it when people call someone else a dickhead <laughs> and this actually makes me like this character i mean he's still a killer but uh i do like the fact that he's like you know what you fucked with me like it's it's the uh the badass part of the character that you kind of want uh but but I think you're right that Will Smith doesn't pull this off. He needs a little bit harder of an edge. Will Smith seems a little soft, I think, for a contract killer. But yeah, he uh, he gets his money and then he does a trick shot that, you know, a bullet bounces off a thing and hits the thing and then shoots the guy. Not a superpower. Not a superpower. It's, a, it's cool. He's probably great at pool. So then... Uh, Waller says, well, we got him because of his ties to his daughter. And and we see Will Smith and a little girl and apparently the mother's a real piece of shit. But it's snowy. It's snowy. It's Christmas. And we're on the streets of Gotham. Wait, hold on. Gotham? That's where Batman lives. Is Batman going to be in this movie? And guess what? You know what? The answer is yes. And ladies and gentlemen, here he is. (laughs) <laughs> and then he he kind of swoops in to make the movie legit uh it's like oh this is a real movie okay you're like holy shit this is gonna be a secret batman movie and batman's like hey i don't want to do this in front of your daughter because i don't know if you know this about me but when i was a kid probably about her age i was in an alley not unlike the alley we're in and 
I saw my parents killed by a crook, like a bad guy. And depending upon which version of the DC universe we're in, it might have been the Joker. It might not. Things get kabam kaboom. Deadshot gets the upper hand on Batman because as we noted in our review of Justice League, Batman ain't very good at his job in these movies. He's a real dumb dumb. He's, hey, uh, <laughs> so just shot in the dark is your mother named Martha. No, forget it. Forget it. I even said it. And Oh, geez. Gun. Deadshot. Right. Boy, that's on Batman, no doubt. Deadshot's daughter jumps in between Batman and uh, the business end of Deadshot's child has to save Batman. But she screams out, she's like, please, daddy, please. And I truly believe that she just doesn't want to see her father kill someone. That this has nothing to do with saving the life of Batman. No, no, no. It's any, it could be a dog. You know, it's just like, no, daddy, don't kill something cute. So then we end that scene and next on the countdown, Rick James with his 1981 dance classic, Super Freak. Rick James's death at age 56 was attributed to a heart attack, but cocaine, methamphetamine, and other drugs were found in his system, according to the New York Times. Let's get back to our movie, Suicide Squad. We gotta introduce yet another character for the second fucking time. This to a new song. To a new, yeah, to a new song. <laughs> and you're just like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? But when you're watching this movie the first time, Amanda Wallace is like, so, uh, uh, Harley Quinn, uh, hey, uh, <clears throat> Bert, can you, um, uh, pass me the uh, steak? Okay. Um, she, <laughs> How did she, she become Burt Reynolds? I don't know. It's all about, uh, yeah. So, so she's, Amanda Wallace says, she's like, she was uh, held outside. She was out in uh, uh, Arkham Asylum. And you're like, holy shit, we are going to get some Arkham Asylum in this movie. Score. Let's get inside. And then we are just unceremoniously introduced to the Joker. Who's just sitting across from Dr. Harlene Quinzelatopoulos or something? Like, mm-hmm. like how, That's right. How, Har- Harlene Quinzel. Just Jesus Christ. All right. I, I thought Edward Nigma was bad, but again, I'm not a comic book guy. But Edward Nigma is worse. I, Dr. Uh, Otto Octavius, also terrible. That's a name that means you're going to blow something up on purpose. In this scene, <laughs> Dr. Quinzel gives the Joker a tiny stuffed cat, which calling Dr. Freud, Dr. Sigmund Freud, you're needing an examination room six, nine. Yeah, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, Chad. Please bring a hot dog and donut for this counseling session. Also, a model train and a paper mache tunnel. A model rocket. A container of milk. A vat of sour cream. And a Bronx wiener. If possible, a picture of your mother blowing your father. Oh, shit. What? shit. That's, oh, oh. Sh- Jesus. <laughs> you run everything, Diane. You just fuck it up. God damn it, Diane. <laughs> She's uh, a therapist to the Joker who is, in this film, the version of the Joker is that he's kind of more of a gangster, like a modern day gangster with the decorated teeth and a lot of tats and that kind of thing. He looks like Lil Wayne if Lil Wayne were an albino. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> In this consultation, 
Dr. Hilarion Kornzapatas, the Joker tells her that he needs a machine gun. And we then cut to like multiple men in full-blown furry outfits shooting up Arkham Asylum. There's one guy wearing an oversized goat head mask from the finale of the Dragnet movie. One guy's in a panda costume. One of them looks like he has this giant black round head of Chain Chomp from Super Mario World. It, it, it's just like, what is going on here? I guess the inmates have taken over the asylum and it's here that we see the Joker applying electroshock therapy to Dr. Quinzel, Mm -hmm. which turns her into Harley Quinn. Right. He he zaps her brain until she's she's nuts. Right. And then we cut back to Amanda Waller and she's like, "Uh, these two became uh, the uh, king and queen of Gotham City. Whatever that means. I I don't know. And speaking of uh, queen, I'm really going to need to loosen these pants when I go back to the room. Uh, (laughs) Hey, can we get some more rolls uh, over here? Back to the countdown. Oh, shit. Purple Lamborghini joins the soundtrack hit parade as it blasts away in the nightclub scene, a song performed by American DJ Skrillex and American rapper Rick Ross. Today marks the first time that I've ever said the name Skrillex out loud. (laughs) Saying it again just now makes the second time and most likely the last time I will ever do that in my life. Let's return to our movie, Suicide Squad. So the Joker is doing his best Jim Carrey at a a nightclub, a.k.a. strip club, where Harley Quinn is doing a a bit of a dance on on a little stage. I think this is Common, who is... Celebrated rapper and Microsoft artificial intelligence spokesperson Common, yes. uh Uh-huh, is uh, hanging out with Joker, and Joker's like, So, you like seeing her dance? And you're like, oh, God, this is... You think she's a bitch? She is. She's the fire in my loins. The one, the only, infamous Harley (laughs) Quinn. (laughs) I hate his performance in this movie. I hate his interpretation of the Joker. I hate everything about him in this movie. And I don't give a shit about comics. I don't give a shit about, I don't know, like the integrity of the character portraying it. The whole performance is just, it's both over the top and just self-indulgent and just full of shit. I hated it. It, It's a performance that no one said no to. And and it's unfortunate because the Joker's a great character. I'm really curious what this Joaquin Phoenix movie is. I'm not. I'm look. Joaquin Phoenix. I think is a, a really interesting actor. You know what's really good? Movies that have the Joker in them that have Batman in them. Well, that's those true. are really good. I don't give a shit about the Joker fucking running around doing whatever the hell he does when Batman's not around. You want to know a standalone Joker movie? I want to see. It's going to have Jack Nicholson at his current age walking around just getting into old man shit as the Joker, digging in his ass, watching TV, bitching at. Five Fox News, you know what I mean? Like unable to get a boner. That's the movie I want to see. Just telling his his uh like once a day drop by nurse. Like an eight minute long scene of him just standing at the mailbox, confused as to where he is. Shit like that. I'll watch that. Wait till I get a load. That's it. Him shit in his pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been bunched up for days. <laughs> He's getting a catheter jammed in his dick like, oh, where did you get these beautiful toys? God damn it hurts! Get the gloves and a jar of Vaseline. <laughs> it's time to go up the old Jack Highway. 
The Joker calls Harley Quinn over and uh, he proceeds to give her as a gift to controversial White House poetry slam attendee Common. Right. And, and I think Common plays this totally right, which is like, hey, man, I didn't mean anything by anything. You're fucking crazy. And I just want to be on your good side. Like, I, I don't want no beef is what he keeps saying. And of course, Joker, you don't want a beef. Can we tone it down just a little? You know, like the thing that made that Ledger performance so interesting was the little choices he made. And you can't have a little choice when all the choices are big. Finally, the Joker just shoots Common because that's what was going to end up happening to him. And then (laughs) we cut to harley quinn and the joker in a car it's a vader which is actually a model of car that is attached to the chassis of an older infinity and not a lamborghini as the song purple lamborghini would lead us to falsely believe um they're just lying to us again even the music is not apropos to what we're seeing on screen as this movie is wont to do Right, but it tells me how to feel, and that's all I need in this scene. But when they're speeding around, and they're driving like maniacs, and then all of a sudden, holy shit, the Batmobile shows up, and you are like, what the hell is this gonna be a Batman movie? Oh, it's the second time Batman's shown up. I, I smell a trifecta. The first time I saw this, I didn't know shit about this movie. I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like we're starting to pepper it. Like, did you guys give us the head fake? It's really about this, but it's going to be about that. We even get Harley Quinn giving it the old batsy, batsy, batsy line. And you're like, hey, man, I paid for a Suicide Squad movie, but I'm getting a secret Batman movie right on. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. But then the Joker crashes his car in the river and Harley Quinn crashes through the windshield like a gangbanger in a steel movie and then (laughs) batman swims to the bottom of the river and after giving harley quinn an underwater knuckle sandwich he drags her topside saving her life he doesn't just punch her for ike turner reasons like as soon as oh and it's actually a moment i like in this movie and there's so few i gotta point it out uh when he shows up to save harley quinn who the joker has abandoned in the car that he drove off the pier she tries to stab him he has to knock her out just to save her and it's like oh okay that's kind of fun that's harley quinn and batman right and even to the point when you know he drags her out of the water and gives her mouth to mouth to to save her and whatnot and there's that moment of her being a little coy with batman like it it feels like superhero supervillain kind of stuff you know, like her calling him Batsy and that sort of thing. And you're right. There's a glimpse of a movie that I want to watch here. As soon as he pulls her out of the water and she comes to, if you look in the background, you can see that the, the Batmobile has lost its wheel and the Joker's gotten away. Um, in this scene, Harley Quinn uh, refers to the Joker as Puddin'. And do you know why she calls him Puddin? I have no idea. It's just a, a thing it, I've, that came from the show, I thought. No, no, it's it's because he's always putting his dick where it don't belong. Oh, that's... That's a Bill Cosby pudding pop joke that I repurposed for this episode. I want to give credit to whoever wrote that originally, but it's more of, I like a pudding pops and pudding in a... It's more of a Bill Cosby rape joke. You can you can figure it out. Just I'm giving you the pieces. You put them together to make the picture of Bill Cosby raping someone. 
He's a terrible man. Yeah, yeah, it's a real shame uh, that such a talented guy turned out to be such a dickhead. I've never seen that before. Who would imagine a a guy in power would abuse it? That is not the story (laughs) I know. Let's go back to Amanda Waller chomping on steak. Mm. Hey, I got a bunch of other characters you don't give a shit about. Mm. I barely remember their names while watching this movie, and uh, I wouldn't recognize a picture of them if you immediately showed them to me at the end of the film. Watching this film, I was like, who the hell's that guy? Have I seen him before? I guess. Dude, we go to Captain fucking Boomerang, who is just an Australian dude who likes boomerangs. And pink unicorns for no good reason. That is so random. I mean, whatever. Pink unicorns? Like, oh oh my God. Whatever. That guy's weird. You know, it's what passes for characterization in this movie. Of Instead of actually having a, a rich internal life where we get glimpses of the person he is, then he just likes stuffed unicorns, so whatever. I swear to God, Bo, I would have been more impressed with this character if you had thrown a white bedsheet over him, (laughs) drawn two black eyes, and called him the ghost. (laughs) He is is such a shit character. And the fact that he is introduced... Like, not just introduced, Chad, he sticks around for the whole fucking movie. When he showed up, the first time I saw this... When I when they were like, and then we got Captain Boomerang, I was like, oh, well, he's fucking dead. Like, obviously, they're going to kill this character because it's Captain <laughs> Boomerang, and that's stupid. And <laughs> In his backstory, he's robbing this jewelry store, and then the Flash shows up and busts him, and you're just like, wait, what is going on? Are we getting some watered-down Justice League movie? What is going Oh, wait, it's nothing. Never mind. He's gone. Yeah, he just shows up for it, like, literally a shot. All of these scenes of superhero sightings are akin to a dad saying, hey, kids, who wants ice cream? And the kids are like, I do, I do. And the dad says, great. I was just wanting to see who wanted ice cream. We're not actually going to get ice cream. I just wanted to put the idea of something better than what you're getting into your head. So you'll be disappointed by not having the thing that you didn't know you wanted before I brought it up. So back to our shitty movie. (laughs) Your mother is on the phone and was asking what sorts of desserts you might like in the future. Not today. Oh, a puppy? Sorry, kids. Your mother ran over something. No more school. Let's let's meet somebody who has actual superpowers. Oh, hey, uh, just because I have to point this out because it makes me so fucking angry. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap by ACDC. Playing through all of this shit. Back to the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap we get to meet diablo and he's got fire powers he is a real metahuman he is the only member of the suicide squad with any legitimate superpowers and he he doesn't ever want to use them because of course it's introduced by waller asking the question have you heard of the pyrokinetic homeboy it's like (laughs) no 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 one would ever call anyone that and he, yeah, he's just this LA gangbanger who uh, fries a bunch of prisoners in a yard. But it's like pyrokinetic homeboy. And it's never mentioned again. So it's like, have you heard of, you know, if she had said, have you heard of El Diablo? It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I could see that happening. But for her to ask, have you ever heard of this name you'll never hear before or again? It's, it's lazy writing, Chad, and it drives me nuts. We finally get to meet Killer Croc, who just has like a skin disease. 
Yeah. I mean, he has like crazy swamp shingles and he has no superpowers. He just, again, got bad skin and he does a lot of push-ups, and I, he can swim underwater. Why wasn't Killer Croc full CGI in this movie like the Hulk? Like make him eight or 10 feet tall, like this big menacing character. And this one, he's just, you know, a, a nothing. He's a carny. Yeah. yeah. Because that seems expensive, Chad. Check and mate. There you go. The the only description we have of him from Waller is, you know, he was treated like a monster and uh, uh, he became a monster. And uh, that reminds me, there was a monster bowl of macaroni and cheese that you can pass over here to Waller. Amanda Waller then introduces the sorceress, who she says is a 600-year-old witch that got inside the body of Dr. June Moon. Yeah, DC sucks. Can you imagine being named June Moon in elementary school? Yeah, Mulva. Yeah, it's June Moon is is one of those names <laughs> that when you hear it, you're like, that is almost as stupid as Captain Boomerang. And now I got to deal with two names in this movie that every time they're mentioned, I'm going to think about how <laughs> dumb all of this is. Her character goes down spelunking in some cave and she gets possessed by the Enchantress. The Enchantress. <laughs> there is more detail in the six panels of a spy versus spy comic than there is in explaining how the Enchantress possessed Dr. June Moon. Yeah, she just cracks open a statue and it's just like, yeah, Bob's your uncle. You got a witch inside you. <laughs> Right. Bada boom, bada bing. Uh, yeah, it's a real, a real afterthought. I'm like, oh, possessed now. Shit. Amanda Wall was like, so uh, we uh, went down to the cave where she uh, found out, found that heart, and uh, we uh, found a heart of the witch uh, uh, that controls the witch. And uh, you know how that works, uh, witches and hearts and stuff. And uh, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got the I got the witch's heart in this uh, attaché case uh, beside me, and uh, they call this medium rare, huh? All right, well, you know, that's how they cook it. But anyway, I like a I like a little more red, a little more red. So this movie is so needlessly complicated. Oh, just you wait, Chad. We have yet uh, to begin to tie this Gordian knot, and so she's like, okay, I, there's a dude named Rick Flag. Colonel Rick Flag, who's the best special forces, <laughs> who's a fudge. <laughs> Colonel Rick Flag, that is a professional wrestler's name. I mean, yeah. not a good one, but it's a wrestler. What names did they consider? But then they passed on like Dick Patriot or Rod Liberty, Ace Freedom, <laughs> Eagle Cockman, Rocco Uppercut, <laughs> Chuck Porterhouse. Hmm. Did you say Porterhouse? I'm right. Oh. Working on this filet over here, but I mean, uh, I got a little room. Let me go in the back and drop a deuce, and uh, <laughs> I'm ready for round two. Time for right. Waller to make a little room for round two. <laughs> Getting my bowels to act against their self-interest is what I do. <laughs> Amanda Waller says that she, Jesus Christ, she assigned All-American Colonel Rick Flag to watch <laughs> Dr. June Moon. A trio of stupid ass names. How do you like? Why is this not Doctor Seuss's superhero movie at this point? And then, like the two of them, they look at each other in the eyes under the full moon. The Mars is in the air, and just like that, they are in love. I have a theory. It is the pollen. The the pollen because uh, it is seed. It is like flower sperm. <laughs> The pollen gets in your nose and you taste the sperm on your your tongue a little and it makes you want to do it. Uh, uh, Give me some more of those uh, sautéed mushrooms. uh, mm, Boy, this is a good steakhouse. 
Uh, State Department's picking this up. All right, you know, I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have uh, a couple of T bones to go. Mm. Also, uh, when you do the baked Alaska, you do the fire and all that. Uh, yeah, I'll have one of those. Well, what about you boys? Baked Alaskas? Yeah. Uh, Make it three. All to go. Put them in my bag. Mm. Yeah, on fire. I've got, look, I'm Amanda Waller. i got a fireproof bag. Don't worry about it. Waller says, in a world of flying men and monsters, there's only one way to protect our country. And look, I do not understand her plan at all. She's got a witch that she controls through this, what, love triangle? And then separately, she's got a repentant gang of members who committed crimes. It doesn't make sense. What is she doing? Yeah, she's a real uh, master manipulator in this movie. Um, so, yeah, because the whole, like, I pulled the strings and uh, uh, Flag and Moon are uh, in love now. And um, let's go to the let's go to the Pentagon now. Yeah, right. where there's a bunch of wh- that, white guys sitting around yapping about what it would be like if Superman was a bad guy. To have the same fucking scene, to do the same thing, to have a bunch of people sitting around talking about this team. Why not just make uh, you can combine them? Is what I'm saying, and just do all this at once. If they're wondering what it's going to be like if Superman's a bad guy, guess what? You're going to find out in the next movie. And by that, I mean the movie we reviewed in episode four of this season. Yeah, yeah, things got timey-wimey uh, on this show. Why didn't the Suicide Squad show up in that movie to help out? They didn't do jack shit when Superman became a bad guy at all. Where were they? Why wasn't any member of the Suicide Squad in Justice League? Justice League did the courtesy of showing up in their movie. You think they could return the favor, you know? That's why we're bad guys. <laughs> do you remember when Jay Sherman visited the Simpsons and then at the end of the episode he told Bart uh, that he had a real good time and he was like maybe you and your family could come visit me on my show and Bart says yeah that's not gonna happen right that's, that's Batman's move there hey thanks Batsy for showing up in Suicide Squad can we come be in Justice League Sink. zing Where does he get those wonderful toys? Also, I think I got ghosted by Batman. I like when Amanda Wallace stands up in front of all these white guys, like this strong black female character, and just starts giving them shit. And then she starts talking about how she's got this witch who can transport from there to here and here to there. She can transport things anywhere. Yeah, June Moon. Or, oh, for the love of God, this is just the dumbest shit. Like, I love comic books, and this just embarrasses me. She goes up front, and then she transforms into the Enchantress. The Enchantress. She looks like a smoldering Dickensian street urchin that was raised in a New Orleans voodoo gift shop. Yeah, she looks like if a 13-year-old had to draw a mummy. 13-year-old boy. <laughs> Let me specify, because we got to show a little skin, you know what I'm saying? Like, not since The Mummy uh, see, uh, season uh-huh, and episode uh-huh, um, on <laughs> The Mummy, but not since that movie has it been like, can we sexy it up a little bit? What if she were living dead and hot? In this scene, Amanda Waller uh, tells the Enchantress, the Enchantress. to go... <laughs> to go and she's like go and get it so the enchantress Enchantress. she disappears and then she pops back with some top secret plans from ooh becky 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 stan shout out to herman kane um (laughs) you're just like what right there like (laughs) the fat general is just like what we've been trying to get this information for years 
This witch can just go get whatever she wants. Are you saying that this witch is magic? Can she fly? Would she like a one of my candy canes? What has she got against dogs? Why are the cardinal directions so important? Riddle me that, enchantress. Enchantress. Uh, Amanda Waller then. <laughs> pokes on the enchantress's green heart with a stick or something. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like she found like a dead dog in the woods. <laughs> is it dead? Is it alive? Why is things beetles on it? It's and then she snails. turns back into Dr. June Moon. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the doctor's like, I, I can't, I can't do that again. Right. Yeah. It's a, a real woe is me. I become an all powerful sorceress and, like there's never it's not like she ever says like i go away and it's a place of torment it's just i guess that she sees what the enchantress is up to or i don't know maybe maybe when the enchantress shows up she goes to the enchantress's world where the enchantress is essentially like a chamber pot maid and she's just scrubbing shit bowls (laughs) right Uh, like in our realm the enchantress the enchantress That she is uh like all power an all powerful semi deity. And yeah, back in the home world it's like she <laughs> She's the littlest giant. <laughs> right. She's you know, mopping out the the jizz buckets. Oh, I wasn't gonna go all the way to jizz, but Oh, I was. I mean if we're gonna go just porn shop. <laughs> I clean out the coin slots with a Q tip. You'd be surprised how gooey coins get. It's like it's like quarters are cum magnets. Gross. Hey, you started this. After Flag ushers the Enchantress, the Enchantress. out of the room, they approve. Uh, all the white dudes in the room are like, we, we like this Suicide Squad idea. And then we immediately cut to Waller, uh, Rick Flag, and June Moon. <laughs> showing up at uh bell rev where they are met by ike Barinholtz and uh to assemble the team and the first stop is harley quinn because we need to introduce the character a third fucking time in this movie where amanda waller just walks into the room and harley quinn says are you the devil uh which is something i ask jokingly probably once a week yeah, Amanda Waller says maybe, which what the hell does that mean? And first off, Harley Quinn is really, really white. To call a black woman the devil, that's some pretty much pure uncut racism. Is that just me? You think so? You Do you think maybe it was the first time she ever saw a black lady? I don't think it's a good idea to put her in Deadshot together. <laughs> I think it's it's going to end up badly. Well, we'll see, because uh, that's right around the corner, I guess. Colonel Rick Flagg goes over and checks out Killer Croc, who I think has a Louisiana accent. I don't yeah. know, because he has like like 42 words spoken in this whole movie. He doesn't say or do, do anything. I live down here on the bayou. I was a crocodile, and some radiation got spilled on me. I became 
More man than crocodile. I think it's when the I origin. W- when I was a little crocodile, I ate crawdads. And when there was no crawdads, we ate sand. You ate what? We ate sand. You ate sand? <laughs> That's the second time we made that joke on this show. I don't care. It's not going to be the last. No. No, not by a long shot. Anytime the word sand comes up, buckle in. Or crawdads. Or a Louisiana <laughs> accent. Right. Any of those. We're pulling off the road, kids. Hold on a minute. <laughs> we got a joke we got to take a look at here. But it is Killer Croc versus Rick Flag in the Metrodome. And yeah, it's again, nothing happens in this scene other than like Killer Croc is like, you ain't scared of me. And Rick Flag is like, no. And end of scene. Like, what is frightening? There's a cream for that. I mean, he's got monster teeth. I guess. That's just bad dentistry. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Peter Cook had horrible teeth in Supergirl. We weren't picking on him. Well, we were, but not in the same way. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it was good-natured ribbing in that case. <laughs> we cut to the scene where, where this prison, some random prison guard is banging on this large metal tube where Diablo is being housed. And he's inside this oversized propane tank. So he, what, doesn't burn people? Right. Well, they, that- they can flood it. If he starts to get all fiery, they can dump water in there real fast is the idea, I think. Do you think he ever lights his own farts with his hands? Oh, I mean, why wouldn't you? If he just pretended to fart and blasted out fire from his hand to make it look like it came out of his asshole and he put that on YouTube, he would be internet famous in 48 hours. Given his apparent, you know, command of fire, then there is nothing he can't do with it. Of course he would be worldwide famous. You know, he could he could have a whole fire puppet show if he wanted to. Uh, if, if he wanted to become a good guy, he could go become a firefighter and basically just build control burns. Yeah, yeah, why not? And prison guard Ike Barinholtz goes up to Diablo inside of his tank and he says out loud, put down the burrito. There's some people here to see you. Oh, right. I forgot the casual racism up front. You know what? You, you think that that's racist, but I really thought about this a lot. Maybe, just maybe, Diablo had a burrito for lunch and prison guard Ike Barinholtz was just being polite by telling him, excuse me, you have visitors, food is not allowed outside of your confined area, and Bo, we should not be so quick to judge in this day and age of fake news. Yeah. Although Ike Barinholtz is, is he's a racist. In this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to be a, a, a cinematic detective to sniff this one out. <laughs> But they they hold up a, a video of him like burning everybody because uh, they've got to clear in because some parts of the wall will be clear and they have a clear end of it and they hold up the the video of him burning all the people in the courtyard and he's like wasn't me it looks shitty and fake the video of him burning all these people looks like shit from some low rent Netflix movie you would see it looks bad all of this movie looks bad the, like. <laughs> The effects are really lacking in much of this film, and uh, certainly this is no exception. Colonel Rick Flagg shows up to tell Diablo that he's got an offer for him to go walk the block and get some food, some beer, and maybe a woman. Which, we're getting a real window into Colonel Rick Flagg's deepest desires checklist. You know, walking around, getting drunk, getting laid. Simple pleasures are the best. I like a cheeseburger. I like a cold beer, and I like pussy. Listen up, Diablo. You want to get something in your belly and your dick into something? Is that what you want? I can make it happen. I'm Colonel Rick Flagg. You might ask yourself, at the point of ejaculation, do I say I have planted my flag? 
I got two words for you, son. Lee Greenwood. <laughs> what? Do you understand what I'm saying? No. Well, he's proud to be an American. Or at least oh. he knows he's free. During sex? All the time. Uh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> If you're a true American, you walk around thinking about Lee Greenwood 24 hours a day. I'm just trying to think of an instance in my life where I had sex that I would refer to as patriotic. <laughs> like, I'm not a spy, you know? I can't, like, take <laughs> one for my country. All I can, The best I can do, Chad, is apologize after. He never fucked on the 4th of July? Come on, man. What's wrong with uh, you? Maybe. I don't remember a particular 4th of July. But that's because I drink so much, Chad. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so funny you say that to me. Um, <laughs> Diablo says, I'm not a weapon. Like, I'm not going to raise my hands to hurt other people. One, two, three, tic-tac-toe. Make love, not war. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, well, what the fuck good are you then? And he <laughs> he makes a little buy, like the word buy in fire, which is high order shit because you got to think from his point of view, he's got to do it backwards. That's a good point. And that's a really good point. Right. They're just like, bye, fuck you. And he's like, that was fucking good. It's the first time I did the reverse letters like that. I think I'm coming along. Now I can light my farts before they even come out. And then following this, we get the backstory of Killer Croc. And he's basically the Bayou version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's all you need to know. It's just, yeah, right. He's just a freak. And every, every bad guy in this movie is a misunderstood miscreant. Why not make the Suicide Squad full of nightmarish sociopaths? Just crazy murdering maniacs that continually try to kill each other. Kind of a, a, a higher order dirty rotten scoundrels where they're constantly fucking each other over would be great. You know? That would be fantastic. And to your point earlier, because we've already introduced these characters two to three times, let's reintroduce Deadshot again. <laughs> right, where it's just like, hey, I heard you shoot good. Colonel Rick Flag And Amanda Waller are there with a bunch of prison guards to watch over him as they lay out a table full of guns for Deadshot. And Deadshot picks up a gun. And then he aims at prison guard Ike Barinholtz, uh, you know, because of the whole uh, incident earlier where Barinholtz was giving him shit about meatloaf or something. The loaf, yes. And, th and then things get tense. Red Flag is like, don't worry about it. If things get out of hand, I'll lasso them with my American penis. But things don't get out of hand to that degree. And instead, uh, Deadshot shows off all of his amazing uh, skill capabilities by shooting over a hundred rounds at these human cutout targets and expertly putting bullets through the targets in the same hole over and over and over again. Let me give you my problem with this scene, which is that there is a, 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 an air of Snake Plissken in this where he is given a gun and, you know, points it at Ike Barinholtz uh -huh. and they tell him, hey, those are blanks. Or no, he says, like, you probably just put blanks in here. You're not going to give me a, a gun with live rounds. And then points the gun up in the air and it's a real bullet, he, he finds out. And then he sniffs it like an animal. <laughs> oh, gunpowder. But at this point, he should try to shoot every one of them for this to yes. be a great character. And, yes. it, and instead, he's just like, you guys gave me bullets. Y'all are crazy. You guys. Y'all honkies are crazy. Right. That is some yeah. real crazy white people stuff. Well, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. I'll put on a show for you guys. You put on one for me. You got, you got old Will. Now it's time for Will to give you a show. And 
Yeah, and then he just shoots these iron targets a bunch. It's like, okay, uh, <laughs> I guess. Deadshot then says he'll help out the group if that will get him out of prison. And he wants full custody of his daughter. And he wants the government to pay for his daughter's college education at Harvard. And if her grades start slipping, he wants them to, quote, white people that thing. Again, based on Harley Quinn's devil comment to a black woman, I truly do not believe that these two should be together in any circumstance. Ah, it turns out they're good buds. We'll get to it. You'll be surprised. Will, Will Smith is just, again, way too charming and likable to play to play this bad guy. Oh, well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's end this scene on a stupid note, Chad, where... <laughs> He, like, after he does his stuff about, like, you know, you got to white people this stuff with his daughter. And uh, Rick Flagg says, who, you think you're in a position to argue? And uh, he's he says, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your boss, her. And he points to Amanda Waller, who is standing, like, two feet away. It's like, why go through all this? Why not just talk to her in the first place? Clearly, Will Smith was cast in this role because he's a big movie star. And to have a character that is as likable as Will Smith is in every movie, he's in you really need to have his character do something that shatters that mold you know like in this movie if you were to show his character killing someone that potentially doesn't deserve it you know earlier we saw him uh shooting a courtroom snitch in this movie would it be better if his character were to have killed like an innocent child or maybe a golden retriever puppy On Christmas morning, that's sleeping inside a Christmas stocking while having a dream that he's chasing a bunny. Yes. Would it have been better? Yes. It would have been a different movie, but that's a movie I'm more interested in where there's a little bit of an edge to this. Like, I know that DC was trying to do that course correction with this movie and make it more fun and Guardians of the Galaxy and all that shit. And I think with Suicide Squad, you have to go the other way. I think they- Swing and a miss! Yeah, it it has to be gritty and mean and, and like really darkly comic as opposed to we're crazy and that's just not the tone that this movie ought to be you know who would make this movie that dark and and menacing the joker let's cut to him oh god and right so (laughs) uh, some goon is just like hey joker we uh you Uh, know hey hey joker uh i got some bad news about holly quinn she's uh she's in schmockum a schmilum (laughs) she's where well, ain't that a kick in the pants? <laughs> the Joker's all distraught. He's surrounded by this like framework of knives and guns and champagne bottles and roses and baby clothes and picture frames and a busted up piano. What the hell are we supposed to make of this? I, right, that he's just been so obsessed with her that he's like busting up a hotel room. Like, you know, he's uh, w- with Dr. Gonzo in Vegas. I don't and know. and he lays back in the middle of all this and we get the the new joker laugh which is him just going ah, ah, ah. you're like oh god all of this is wrong you guys you guys fucked up all of this is is you should have done it different it's like george mcfly slowed down to half a speed of ah, ah, ah. It's so 
bad. And oh man. And then Ike Barinholtz, our wall guard, uh, is at a casino and just gets tased and pulled into the kitchen. And he's like, well, what's going on here? Like, I know I owe some money. I'm just on a bad streak. And they're like, shut up. Like, you really want to shut up right now. And then the Joker shows back up and he's just like, hey, Ike, guess what? I've taken an interest in you. And he he shows him his hand that's got a ring on it. And uh, Ike, like, leans forward and kisses his ring. And he's like, I knew we were going to be friends. And you're just like, oh, once more, this performance is just interminable. It, it is so forced and yet so insincere. I, I hate this version of the Joker. I, and it's also weird. The Joker is in this movie, not a lot, but he's in it and yet at the same time he's completely forgettable he doesn't do anything that matters and his character and this performance doesn't make any impression on you at all it's just fucking awful <laughs> yeah it, it's just it, it's overblown and i can never tell exactly you know i mean we talked about the intro it, but it, you can never tell exactly what mood this movie is in like are we being dark and gritty or are we being kind of fun and silly because this movie is both of those things and by being both of those things it's neither it completely feels like a performance that is being generated for others to emulate at a comic-con <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like this is a Joker that definitely exists in a cosplay kind of era. Yes. And and it's not just the modernity that bothers me about it, because I really don't mind the character being brought. Like, there's something interesting about him being like a modern day criminal. But it's like, how on earth would he have ever made it this far? As soon as he was, you know, climbing the ranks through whatever mob family in Gotham and was just a low level runner where he was like... So what? I'm supposed to tell you when drugs are coming around the corner and then I take the money from the car. They're like, look, just don't scare the people in the fucking cars. All right. You take the money, you point them to auto over there. Nobody's putting up with this shit. He's getting two in the brain. Right. <laughs> They're just going to be like, you know what? The boss wants to meet you. You've been doing such a good job. He wants to see you in the plastic room. <laughs> the plastic room sounds fancy. <sighs> Like, what? Can I'll tell you what? Why don't you give me that gold plated gun of yours before you go meet him? Just I'll hold it for you. How about that? We cut to Washington D.C. and Colonel Rick Flag is in this hotel room with his true love, Doctor June Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and the two of them are not having sex. Get your mind out of it. You think that's all that happens in Washington, D.C. hotel rooms? It's all I think about. I, I, go to Washington, I associate Washington, D.C. Hotel. hotels with break-ins. Well, that's how I describe sex. A break-in? Mm-hmm. I'm doing a B&E on dun, your TNA. During Dr. June Moon. Uh, her her sweet dreams. Um, She whispers the name Enchantress. Enchantress. And like some sort of premature Beetlejuice, the Enchantress, Enchantress shows up in the bedroom. And Colonel Rick Flag, he's all spooked when the Enchantress, Enchantress makes Colonel Rick, Colonel Rick Flag disappear into this hospital room where he sees Dr. June Moon. <laughs> She's on life support. Dude, I don't know what the hell's going on in this movie at this point. Who could know? Because none of this ever happens in the movie, so I don't know. And Meanwhile. Right, and then she uh, she disappears to Waller's room, and she starts to go for the case of, with her heart in it, but Waller does the, like a little... <laughs> and 
Oh, steak. Oh. Yeah, right. A load of potatoes. Scallop potatoes. Oh. 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 Refry beans. Um, and the enchantress. The enchantress. Gets like spooked because this woman, like, you know. Where does she go? She disappears to a subway bathroom and then she grabs some. No, she random... gets a statue from Waller's room and, oh, yeah, yeah, and she... then goes to the bathroom. Of a subway station. Because that's where you find quality targets. (laughs) She finds some random black guy to be the vessel for her brother, the Incubus. Right. None of this makes any damn sense in the movie. Hey, by the way, how many times is the the word Incubus used in this movie? (laughs) Zero, it turns out. She's like, brother. And that's it. That's all you hear. Like, at no point is she like, this is my brother, Incubus. He's going to be visiting for a while. He's helping me build the machine. If I have to abduct someone to be the vessel of my dead brother's spirit, the second to last place I am going is the men's room at a subway station. Where's the first place you go out of curiosity? The last place I'm going is a jerk-off booth in a Detroit adult bookstore. Ew. But what What is... (laughs) This is where I mop. Um, where, where would you go for the, the, like the prime beef here? Hmm. Hold on. Cause my stop is Gary Busey's house. What? Are you telling me I'm a demigod? I'll be damned. I'll tell you what, let's have a good time with it. Can I, can I turn trees into lollipops and dogs into hot dogs? Do whatever you want. Oh, he's going to be good. In the next scene, the Enchantress. Oh, sorry. The Enchantress. She holds her brother, the Incubus, uh, who is now inside this black guy that she found in the subway bathroom. And the two of them are sitting on the floor of this subway station men's bathroom. Dude, I'm going to throw up if I describe this anymore. Right. And she's like, brother, you need to wait and feed. And I will build a machine and destroy everyone. Ah, good plan. Right. Because what? Her motivation, though, Chad, because this is important. It's not just she's a villain who wants to destroy the world. She wants to destroy the world because people don't worship them no more. And she's just like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck these guys. Fuck them right in the ass. I shall bring a great cataclysm <laughs> because these guys... <laughs> Our dicks. <laughs> what a bunch of douchebags. Fuck them. If they don't want to be my best friend, fuck these guys. Would it kill them just to say, hey, Enchantress. Enchantress. Good. You're doing a great job. You know, kill a goat, leave a wreath. Just something. Let me know. Yet they of me. And then for some unknown damn reason, Zip Zop Zoop, <laughs> Dr. June Moon, <laughs> she zips back to the hotel room with Colonel Rick Flag, and he's waiting there. And then I don't I don't understand this movie at all. Then we go back to the subway station and the incubus is walking around inside this handsome black man. And then this guy passes out. And then surprisingly, people start to help out. Well, two people do. Uh, and look, I'm as shocked as anybody. And then these two good Samaritans are immediately killed by some tentacles that come out of the incubus from somewhere. And look, I hope they're tentacles. They might've been his penis or penises. The movie just goes hentai all of a sudden (laughs) where it's just like tubes are shooting out of this dude hither and yon. And then 
they they fall on the subway tracks like the incubus grabs some other guys and then he starts absorbing their life spirit or something and then a subway train is heading towards them and then the incubus stands still and he just rips through the middle of the subway train like it's melted butter so we cut back to the pentagon and the alpha bravo team is there like hey activate team x get amanda waller on the phone asap yeah and then harley quinn is approached but uh by the guards like we're back in the prison and she has hidden something in her hair what is that i i could never figure it out is it like a part of a pin or something is it that like silence of the lambs i think it was just something that got left on the cutting room floor anyway she immediately attacks the guards when they come in when she's like i'll play nice boys and then doesn't because you know we're the bad guys and then they tase her because everybody in this movie gets tased at one time or another and then they flush el diablo out of his tube uh, and dead shot and then yeah and it, a bunch of guards go into dead shot cell all hurricane style but i'm like what's the point of any of this didn't she come around and be like hey is everybody on board Did, weren't they all like okay well i guess sure. i guess we're on board then yeah and but we're doing it all fucking get Ugh. all right they get killer croc and then they say hey we're gonna get the new guy the new guy who the hell's the new guy so it's uh captain boomerang and uh, uh slipknot is the but, but, name. But before he even shows up they go around and they start injecting everyone with this like explosive tracking device in their necks yeah right right and then uh i i keep referring in my notes to ike Barinholtz as the wall guard um so he slips Harley Quinn a phone from Joker and he's like, hey, tell Joker that everything's cool, right? Like everything's cool. And she's like, you're so screwed. I don't even have that scene in my fucking notes, man. I- I'm so glad you said that. Apparently I just blacked out. You know what? Keep the wheels rolling. I didn't even catch that shit. Yeah, well, because look, there's a bunch of shit that is just said and happens in this movie that doesn't mean anything, and that's one of the, those things. And so then we see a delivery driver at Van Chris Laboratories, a division of Wayne Corp. Uh-huh. Which, hey, movie, will you please stop bringing up Batman in this movie? <laughs> right. Quit being such a bat tease. You know, right? Because because some random van, as you pointed out, sh- shows up and they're delivering flowers and they drop them off and then the lab blows up and the Joker goes in with his gun-toting panda again and also another guy who was wearing a Batman mask. Which will you please stop with all the goddamn Batman references? You can barely see them Batman references. Yeah, and and so his grand scheme is like he's trying to get to this doctor who has made the who what's a fudge that they're using to inject the who's a thing. You really had to pay attention to figure that shit out. Yeah, it's not explained to you at all. No, it's just because I've seen this movie like four times now, which is way too many. The scientist is in a sealed room, and the Joker's like you know, let me in. And he, he's like, fuck you, Joker. And he's like, oh yeah, look at this. It's a video of your wife. And it's her saying like, please, they've got me kidnapped. Whatever you do, to just do whatever they say so they won't murder me. And so he lets him in. And Joker then finds the injector things, which again, isn't very plainly spelled out. 
And I think the first time I saw this, I was like, what in the hell are those? This is all done in exhaustive fashion so that later in the movie, when he and Harley Quinn reunite, he now has the technological understanding to defuse the bomb device in her neck. Right. That Right. But which begs the question, how does he know about the things in the neck? I guess maybe that's the know. Ike Barinholtz told him. I don't know. But anyway, so meanwhile, back at the subway, this monster is causing quite a ruckus, Chad. And he's uh, hentying all over the place, uh, punching through columns, mm-hmm. uh, killing people's left and right. And then below them, uh, below the Monstar, Flag and Moon are there to, you know, stop him, I guess. And M- Moon is like, you know, time to get her done. And she's like, okay, Enchantress. Enchantress. And then immediately cut away from that to a call from Rick Flag to Waller. And he's like, uh, remember when we said she might just take off? And she's like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, she took off. (laughs) That thing happened. And then Waller immediately just starts stabbing her heart in the case, which is fantastic. Time for plan B. Stab, stab, stab. (laughs) Right. Get her. Like, that's the whole plan is just take a pencil and fright night her heart for a while. We come back to the subway tunnels where the Enchantress. Enchantress. She gets a jump start from her healthy brother, the Incubus. And then here she goes from street urgent to full on sexy goddess. And it's at this point that the movie truly begins to plagiarize Ghostbusters in full force. (laughs) Yeah, the roof from Ghostbusters is somehow inside another building. It's not even a subtle tip of the hat. As soon as he grabs hold of her and fills her with energy, it's... (laughs) Right. You're just like, this is Ghostbusters, right? She is 100% goals of the Ghostarian, goals of the Destructor. Like, this whole scene is the end of Ghostbusters. Yes. Up to and including, like, there's a big thing of light in the sky and all of that. I have a lot of notes about how much of Ghostbusters they rip off, and we'll we'll get to that <laughs> in this in this special edition jumbo sized what in the fuck kind of movie is this episode of Pick Six Movies? So my favorite thing in the movie happens next, where in <laughs> in Midway City people are being evacuated because of all the the business happening with uh, Incubus apparently, and it's time for another needle drop, Chad and Dear Casey. <laughs> On May 7th, my wife, Jean Kasem, entered the Berkeley East Convalescent Hospital, where she removed the tube that provided me with nutrition and hydration. Four days later, she took my failing body to Las Vegas against doctor's orders. A few days later, Jean flew to Seattle, Washington, where my health worsened. My children, from my first marriage, tried to remove Casey from... That's me from my wife Jean's care, but was met by Jean hurling raw meat at my daughter while screaming in the name of King David. I died two weeks later at St. Anthony's Hospital with my children at my side. My wife Jean took custody of my body and requested an autopsy. Jean then later moved my corpse to Montreal, despite the objections of my children. 
Finally, Jean buried my body in Norway. Casey, I just want to let Jean know that she is a special woman who caused special harm to special people throughout her special actions. Could you move on to the next scene of this movie and let Jean know that when I watch Suicide Squad, it reminds me of her equally bad behavior and her absence of total logic. Thanks, a listener for life, Casey Kasem. Well, Casey, you got it. Here's the next scene of Suicide Squad. And of course, the unofficial balladeer of the DC Extended Universe <laughs> jumps in. The what? Oh, 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 hey, is that what I think it is? The White Stripes begin playing. Seven Station Nation. Hey, now we got a party. Hey, it's Aquaman. What's going on, brother? Hey, I heard you guys played some White Stripes. I know you guys didn't invite me to the movie. Batman was here. Flash was here. No big deal. Don't matter. I guess Aquaman just don't ring. Tell you what, though. Looks like you guys are having a good time. How about you get a couple of CLs for AM? Hey, She's Aquaman, that's me. I'll tell you what, looks like you guys got your own thing going on. I'm going to surf on an alien to the water and then jump in and sonic swim away. It's going to be rad as shit. So if you can get down to the beach in time to see it, I recommend it because it's going to be, I tell you, it's quite a show, brother. But I understand if you can't because I'm one fast motherfucker, especially when I'm on one of them aliens. Tell you what, I'm out, brother. You guys have a good movie. Aquaman out. Cut to an evacuation zone of Midway City where all of our uh, bad guys are suiting up to do battle with something that they are completely ignorant of, nor remotely equipped to handle. Um, yeah. We see Deadshot and Harley Quinn because they are the stars of the movie. We see Diablo and Killer Croc because one has powers and the other is a character you might find in a comic book movie. And out of nowhere, we bring in Captain Boomerang because... Remember, we talked about him 30 minutes ago, but haven't mentioned him since. Yeah, don't worry about it. And it's here we introduce, in full force, the character Slipknot. What the living fuck is this? Uh, Dude, I have no idea. His character is good at climbing things? I don't know. When you hear that, it's like, that's gotta be a joke. And it's not, Chad. That was a real thing, because DC kinda sucks. They had a whole superhero. They they call him dead meat. (laughs) Right. No, that's a real thing. That guy existed. Somebody put pen to paper and was like, you know what would be cool? Being able to climb anything. I mean, like with ropes and stuff. Not like a spider, but like if you had like a grappling hook or maybe a harpoon with a rope on it or something and you could just climb anything. That'd be all right. It's like, I guess. We can't let the interns come up with characters anymore. Okay. Right. Sure. It's like after Jack Kirby left Marvel, went to DC, and really started drinking. How about Slipknot? It's How about the blender? He has a blender and he blends things. How about the bartender? He gives me another drink. How about the principal? He keeps order of children. (laughs) That seems creepy. I don't don't think that's going to (laughs) fly. How about bad lieutenant? He shows his cock to people. (laughs) <laughs> he, ma- he masturbates to a nun is that a superpower <laughs> it's super gross it ain't not a superpower yeah. <laughs> i would love to see harvey Keitel as any superhero <laughs> at this point colonel rick flag mentions 
that the injection that all of these people got earlier in the movie um, has an explosive that'll kill them if they get out of line. And uh, Colonel Rick Flagg explains that they're all going somewhere to do something uh, that's really bad or it might get them killed. Yeah, it's time for another needle drop because it's been, I don't know, 45 seconds since the song started. Next on the countdown, Eminem's Without Me. He is truly the real Slim Shady. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, I mean, I, again, I am all for well-placed music in a film. I would argue, uh, raindrops, uh, keep falling on my head. Not a great placement of music in a film. That's the worst placement of a song in a movie ever. Yes. Yes. It is contextually out of time. It it doesn't make any sense at all in that movie. It's yeah, that's, that's, that's worse than anything. This, this movie feels like the, the deconstructed fucked up version of the Forrest Gump soundtrack. You know, like everything <laughs> right. about it's, it's out of, it just, it's awful. I hate, Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is made up of how cool would it be if in this scene they did this and none of it holds together. They're like it's just them putting in cool clothes and getting weapons and Eminem is playing and it all looks good and it sounds cool because Eminem is super talented and it's just meaningless though. When all of these characters are getting suited up with their respective costumes and accoutrements with which they will do battle. In this scene, Harley Quinn gets this pearl handled like handgun cannon and then eventually she gets a baseball bat. Deadshot gets his forearm guns. Captain Boomerang gets, I don't know, his boomerang and his pink unicorn, whatever. Is he going to fuck that unicorn? One presumes he does. I I don't think it's, is he going to? I think it's, I guess, is he going to in this movie? In this scene, Killer Croc gets a hoodie. What? Diablo gets a t-shirt? I really like something that's loose on me. But also if it's a, a light mist. I can throw up the hood and it's like it's not raining at all. Diablo gets a t-shirt. Slipknot gets who cares. <laughs> right. I, I A rope, maybe, I suppose. Oh, and then they're like they chit-chat about Diablo's tattoos and how Will Smith likes killing people. And then uh, <laughs> like um, Amanda Waller iPad lectures them for a minute where it's just her on a screen where she's like, Hey, did he tell you about the thing where I can blow up your heads if I want? Okay, that. Let me ask you a question. Would you have rather seen Amanda Waller played by Felicia Rashad in this movie? Uh, I mean, I, I think both of those are equally good picks. I think uh, Felicia Rashad is uh, is just fine. I would I would like Danny DeVito. I'm always scared when Felicia Rashad starts talking. Or especially when she starts lecturing. If Felicia Rashad begins any conversation with, let me tell you something. I'm like, oh shit, here it comes. This is going to be bad. Yeah, because she's she's about to land it. Take you to the woodshed, as they say. It's going to be awful. I would have rather seen Felicia Rashad in this. My asshole pucker is just thinking about her. Well, sometimes that can be good. And I'll tell you what else is nice. Will Smith gets to say the name of the movie. He, he does. Yeah. Because in the scene, in the next scene, Colonel Rick Flagg, uh, after showing them this iPad, he says that uh, nobody knows anything about what you all are supposed to do. And it's here that Deadshot says, so we're some sort of 
Suicide Squad. Oh, yes, he said it. That's the name of the movie. He said it out loud. But it is a real wind-up on it. So what are we, some kind of Suicide Squad? You're like, oh, man, they can't even do that right in this movie. They can't even say the name of the movie right. Fuck this movie. Hey, you know what this movie really needs, Bo? <laughs> oh, I think I do, Chad. How about another character with a backstory? Perfect. Could it be uh, a lady and possibly wielding a medieval weapon? Indeed it is. Yeah. Katana. A samurai Literally sword wielding. jumps into the movie. Don't forget about me. And they're just like, oh, hey, where'd she come from? She got a chip in her neck too? And they're like, no, nah, don't worry about it. She's on our side maybe? I don't know. And I'm sure that all of her dialogue was truly Japanese. And, and I apologize to anyone I'm about to offend by saying this. But her character in watching this, all I'm thinking of is Jim Belushi's gibberish that he spoke in every episode of Samurai, insert next word after this. It's just like, oh, and I was just like, oh, Christ, what is this? That means the children are swimming, Chad. <laughs> I'll take your word it for does. it. Apparently her husband was murdered and so she killed her husband's killer with the sword that was used to kill her husband and now this sword contains the soul of her dead husband or maybe her dead husband's killer. I, I just, I quit paying attention. It doesn't matter even a little bit to no. anything that happens in this movie. Why is she in this film at <laughs> I all? Know. I don't know why she leapt into the movie at, you know, Right, like the doors are literally closing on the plane, and she's just like, "Hey, no, 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 I could be in this too." And you're like, "Okay, I guess more the merrier, maybe." And uh, and then we get <laughs> next on the countdown, hey. 1969's "Spirit in the Sky" by Norman Greenbaum. This song makes several references to Jesus in the lyrics, but it turns out, surprisingly, Greenbaum is Jewish. Let's get back to the movie. The Suicide Squad. So we're on the Suicide Squad chopper, and Harley Quinn sees on the phone that uh, Ike Barinholt slipped her a text from Joker saying, I'm coming for you. And look, you you glossed over this. As they're flying into Midway City, it looks like 9-11's bigger, older, drunker brother showed up to wreak havoc. it's insane the amount of destruction that has happened in this city. Yeah, things aren't going well, Chad. Not at all. When you saw the message from Joker that he's on the way, was there part of you that was like, do you think think Batman might show up? Or maybe Superman? (laughs) Something, yeah. I mean, just any... Doesn't Hawkman live in Midway City? Could Hawkman show up to make this better? Hawkman Hawkman showing up is not going to make it better, Chad. There is if you know what stop for a moment if Hawkman suddenly came flip flapping in there isn't part of me who's like hey man I think this might shit I think this shit might be getting better it depends on the character but what if it was Hawkman from Flash Gordon oh like the big fat dude that's just like oh, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> basically the the unholy union of your version of Aquaman and a bird yeah yeah all right now you got a movie <laughs> hey you gotta eat that turkey leg. I, I'll tell Is you, that my brother. Let's do it, Excelsior! I really shouldn't. I gotta fly, but give me some more pudding. Hey, hey, hey! That's what your collar says, pudding. Put, huh? I'll, I'll be damned. Uh, but 
still, give me some pudding. You ever you ever imagine what it'd be like if there was a whole building made of gummy bears? You know, one beef I really had with this movie is that much like the Justice League, uh-huh. which we discussed earlier, there are no people in this city and there are no civilian casualties. There are no normal people ever in any real sense of danger. We got a few people in the subway earlier, but when you're flying into a major metropolitan area, there aren't people just screaming on fire, running for their lives. It just, it feels like a metropolitan area post zombie apocalypse. Like everybody's cleared out. Let's just sort of deal with, you know, minimal damage henceforth. Right. We don't have to worry about the the criticisms of Man of Steel uh, because there's nobody here. Right. Right. That's we we have solved that problem by everyone being improbably evacuated in 30 minutes from the city. When these helicopters fly in, Harley Quinn looks out the window and she sees these blue lights flying up into the sky from Dana Barrett's apartment. And she says, Ooh, look at the pretty lights. That, oh my God, look at that. They're crazy. Like, you know, that Harley Quinn, she's so silly. She's so silly. Uh, I love her. She, yeah, she's crazy. As they're flying in, Rick Flag and uh, Deadshot are, are chit-chatting about like what the mission is. And Flag is being real cagey about it. And Will Smith sniffs all this out because, you know, he's a, a superhero question mark. Um, and Flag is like, look, I'm a soldier. That's what I do. My name is Rick Flag. Yeah, I had to be a soldier. I was literally enlisted on my second birthday. I was a general at the age of nine. I killed my first man in combat at 12. And much like the tradition of the American military, I don't, this, none of this is true. I actually, I carved out his heart and I took a bite. I was preteen. When that happened, I reached four star general, maxed out, and said, Guess what? I'm re enlisting and making our way back up through the ranks. I prestiged the army. So, <laughs> from down below, a bunch of gunfire erupts, and uh, this helicopter that everybody's flying in, it gets shot down and it rapidly falls from the sky without anything slowing its descent, and it crashes violently into the ground flipping over and rolling completely no less than six times imagine that scene from superman where lois lane is on the helicopter but superman wasn't there to save her it's like (laughs) that only 20 times worse right this helicopter tattoos the ground and everyone inside this flying machine who let's be honest none of them have superpowers and would not benefit at all, you know, if they had them. They would all be dead at this point. Like, there's no survivor. Right, but they they just kind of push open the back of the helicopter, and are just like, huh, I'll be damned, right? Like, that was crazy. Well, prior to that, we cut over to Man- Amanda Waller, and the look on her face is the best shot of this movie. Because she's put together this marginally unscrupulous group of people that have no skills at all. And the only thing they have in common is being victims of circumstance alongside poor life choices. And not less than 10 minutes ago, their inaugural outing, everyone in this helicopter is now dead. Mission over. The team is a failure. 
All that stake chomping yeah. and completing of top secret binders and her dog and pony and witch show were for nothing. There is only way that she is going to explain this disaster to her superiors at the Pentagon. And it will involve the words, what can I say? You fucked up. Yeah. You trusted us. Yeah, it's a real Poe body's nerfect kind of moment. <laughs> so you're telling me we literally caused a cataclysmic event. By let, like it was our fault. The sorceress was there in the first place. You know what? I'm, I tell you what. I'm going to put a finer point on that. When you say we, let's be honest, it was me. Wow. I'm, you know what? I'm going to own it. Yeah, yeah. You're you understand? You're going to go to jail, right? Like that's that's a foregone conclusion. You've you've destroyed mm-hmm, the earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I fucked up. Oh, that's on me. Yeah, that is that is underselling it. Whoopsie. And my bad. Oops. But yeah, you know, of course, <laughs> of, of course, they're just like, yeah, it's fine. We're we're fine. Uh, we are we are after all superheroes? Question mark. It. You know what? Instead of pulling burning, mangled corpses of these, I don't know, like five or six or seven. I don't know how many people were in the Suicide Squad. It, it's. I know it's more than three. Well, they all just. <laughs> pop out of this helicopter like dad just pulled into a Denny's parking lot and Harley Quinn bounces out and she's like, woo, what a ride. She's crazy, Chad. She is crazy. Colonel Colonel Rick Flagg radios Amanda Waller and he's like, we're okay. And then the shot of her immediate relief is Oscar worthy. You know? <laughs> you know, Os- Oscar the Grouch, that is. This movie's trash. Oh, Chad. I don't know what it is. My kid wrote that joke. <laughs> I'll blame him. Captain Boomerang ugh, tells Slipknot, double ugh, that uh, this whole injection thing is a ruse. It, like, he, he gives him a real anti-vaxxer kind of thing. He's just like, <laughs> no, mate. It's full of shit. It'll give you the tism. <laughs> It'll make you dick. Go back inside and turn it into a vagina. You don't want to be a woman, do you? Huh? A bloody Sheila? You want that? Huh? Huh? Not Captain Old Boomerang. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> Captain Boomerang. He's like, look, I'm going to bail. You want to come or not? And they're, they make a break for it. And uh, Slipknot does his thing where he just zips up. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so stupid where he just like Batman's up to a wall and they're like, oh my God, he's getting away. Beep. And sure enough, his head blows the fuck off his body. But there's no blood no, or nothing. It is there, like a headless body is swinging around in this scene and there's not one drop of blood. And that's another moment where you're just like, you know what? This should not have been PG-13. That scene would have been hilarious if he had bled excessively, you know? If it had been a real, like, Peter Jackson, the early years kind of affair, where it was just blood all over the place, that would have been amazing. Did you ever see that documentary Mastermind about those people in Pennsylvania who robbed a bank? And they pulled it off by putting a bomb around the neck of a pizza delivery guy yes. and forced him to go rob the money. I watched this and I didn't really know what the hell it's about. And when that guy leaves the bank and then the cops surround him and he's out there and he's like, hey, man, I think that uh, this bomb might go off. And then kaboom, like scanners, this dude's head blows the fuck up. 
That's what it looks like when a head gets blown up. I am not condoning that type of physical harm on anybody. No, it's a bold stance. We're not against sure, head right, explosions. But- Michael Ironsides would disagree. Ladies and gentlemen, as a candidate for public office, I'm clearly against the explosion of heads off of bodies. Oh, yes. Well, I think we can all agree with that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's real disappointing. Like, the, the, it was the, the finest point on, on my feeling in this film that they should have had the balls to be an R-rated movie, where it's like, man, that would have been such a good gag. What was this rated? PG-13. Yeah. yeah. Mistake yep. there. And uh, so Will Smith and Harle- Harlequin, Harley Quinn uh, make a plan to kill Flag and the soldiers, and then Joker's going to get the devices out of their neck before anybody's the wiser. If Deadshot's aware of Batman and he lived in Gotham, wouldn't he know who the Joker is and Harley Quinn? I mean, they were the king and I'm queen of Gotham. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I... I mm. Pass out Heinz 57. Oh my God. Mm. Oh, I got more backstory for you. Oh, I'll tell you what. They make the bacon bits uh, from real bacon here. They just make bacon to crumble it. (laughs) So some soldiers encounter just some random dudes on the street. And they're like, all right, we're going to try to sneak around. Like, Rick Flagg is like, hey, don't engage. We're going to be sneaky. You know, American style. And the, the Suicide Squad at this point is like, we're ready to make a break. And at that point, Will Smith is like, no, cool it a second. Let me put on my glowy eye thing because that's that's how I'm going to turn into the hero of this movie. Right. Well, you got a guy with who has a gun. We have a tiny woman with a baseball bat. Uh-huh. Who at one point had a big hammer and then that went away, which I was kind of hoping they would stick with that. I was like, at least that's on brand. No. Then we got an Australian guy with a goatee and a boomerang. And then some yeah. tattooed guy who might have superpowers, maybe. Aww. And Katana. Don't forget Katana. Uh, well, yeah, but she's on the other side. She's with Rick Fly. Yeah. And anyway, so he puts on the glowy eye thing and he sees these lumpy monsters that looks really stupid. The design of these cannon fodder creatures. I, I look. I'll be the first to tell you that that Avengers movie, those aliens are completely disposable villains. But good lord, they're not even trying here. It's just like, what do they look like? I don't know. How about lumpy pieces of shit? And when the monsters attack, all the soldiers who are armed to the teeth just start blasting away with their high-powered, military-issued automatic weapons, which... It has little effect. So guess what? Hey, Suicide Squad, with your wooden baseball bat and your boomerang and your sword and maybe your fist and your feet, can you guys come help defeat these monsters? And they do. Well, the, like Harley Quinn's superpower is shooting something in the fucking face. I've got the same superpower if you give me a gun. The lumpy turd monsters are uh, grabbing flag and trying to drag him away. And Will Smith reminds, uh, like, he's like, hey, they've got flag. And Harley Quinn is like, good riddance. And he's like, no, no, no. If he leaves, then we die somehow, even though we were just planning on killing him. So I don't know how any of this works. It doesn't add up. But then Will Smith shoots everybody. Like, literally just shoots everybody in the scene, except the good guys. It's like the finale of The Last Starfighter, only worse. I was going to say that last Rambo movie... When he just turns a fifty caliber machine gun on the country of Laos. 
<laughs> it's pretty good, actually. Captain Boomerang gets his unicorn back, because who gives a shit? And then Captain Boomerang has the sheer gall as a person named Captain Boomerang to give another person with legitimate superpowers shit for not fighting. You know, he's just like, hey, yeah. you don't do nothing, mate. Huh? Huh? Are you a little Sheila? Huh? Is that you? And it's just like, man, he's for real. You throw a boomerang. He can set the world on fire. And as we'll find out later, become, I don't know, an Aztec god? Whatever. So, Will Smith puts together that, like, oh, the things that we were fighting used to be people. And then Flag is like, well, I guess we're going to go towards the big glowy ring or something. Like, we've got to complete our mission nonetheless, so we're going to this building. And then after that, some military unit that got abducted by some of the other monsters, they are all led to Gozar the Enchantress. The Enchantress. And standing off to the side is her brother, this now CGI-rendered 10-foot-tall horned glowing fake looking character i st- i don't know why shack wasn't in this role that would have been amazing he kind of looks a little like shack he does and in the scene um gozar the enchantress the enchantress kisses the abducted soldiers turning them into monsters one by one and she says that they are her army and they now belong to her and it kind of looks like she's just giving them a serious case of herpes or <laughs> like hepatitis C, which you know who has hepatitis C? Pamela Anderson. Ooh, really? When did that happen? Yeah. You know what? I'll send you a link. Okay. Um, uh, like it's this giant demonic kissing booth. And the thing that really cracks me up about it is if you just put down on paper the Enchantress. The Enchantress kisses everybody in the unit they captured while her brother watches <laughs> right uh-huh but that's what's happening in this scene <laughs> are you sure you want to be here for this part stop looking you're so weird okay you can look now are you looking at him or me it makes a difference. <laughs> Back on the streets, our you know ragtag bunch of heroes are marching along, and then Harley Quinn smashes open a store window to steal a purse. And um, in this scene, Harley Quinn's shoes are these high-heeled boots, and Bryce Dallas Howard took a lot of shit for Jurassic World for running around wearing heels in a movie with dinosaurs. I just want to say, I think it's equally ridiculous that Harley Quinn has those types of shoes on in this movie. Well, that's because in Jurassic World, there was some question about whether they were making uh, a sexual object of Bryce Dallas Howard by keeping her in the, in those shoes. And mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. movie, there's simply mm-hmm. no question that Harley Quinn mm-hmm. is a sexual object in this movie. Gotcha. She is literally given to another man at mm-hmm. one point. Right. I like that. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sorry, were you still talking? Yeah. I quit listening. Oh. <laughs> Colonel Rick Flagg. Well, he asks Hartley Quinn, he's like, what's wrong with you? To which she responds, we're the bad guys. It's what we do. You know, here's the thing. Put that in the trailer. That's a good line for the trailer. 
I, I believe good villains think they're the heroes of their, their stories. I don't like the fact that they're, if you're going to go the route of they're these, you know, villains with a heart of gold, why are they walking around like, we're the bad guys? Like, the worst they do is kind of steal some shit. Otherwise, they're helping people out. And it just doesn't add up with the kind of movie this feels like it ought to be. And kind of wants to be most of the time. Like, the dude getting his head fucking blown off is sort of a good, dark joke. It's just, it never carries through the rest of the film. Following that, we get to see Deadshot looking in a store window. And he sees a coat that's the same one that his daughter had on when he wanted to murder Batman. And at this point I was like, I wonder if Batman's going to show up in this movie or maybe the flash or wonder woman or green lantern or Hawkman or Ooh, what if Solomon Grundy showed up? That would be crazy. Right. Or Zen or Jaina, like, or that monkey Gleek. Oh my God. There's so many possibilities, but none of them are ever going to come true. Right. Instead we're stuck with the captain boomerang and katana for fuck's sake (laughs) i mean like i know that dc doesn't necessarily have the deepest bench but there is not a groot or rocket raccoon in this mix like there is nothing so charming or fun and oh it's just the worst so after will smith gets all weepy about seeing a couple of mannequins in a window rick flag and his team are like going to the top of the the building and the idea is that they're going to go up there they're going to find something in this building and then they're going to be extracted from the top of the roof. And uh, Will Smith like heads in, leads the rest of the suicide squad into this building because they're all like, fuck you. We're not going. And he's like, no, 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 we got to get out of here. Rick flag says that after they extract their person after that, it's, it's Miller time because they have the tools and they have the talent how does this movie have Colonel Rick Flag say after we defeat the monster, it's Mila time? Right, because that was one of those things that when the they cut and pasted that in, they forgot to make the change. Like, you know, let's change a couple of words or something. How this movie doesn't have the main character propose the idea of crossing the streams to save the day or proposing that they should get the incubus laid because he's a sailor in New York city. I mean, midway city is to the film's credit, right? It's, it would be a better movie if it just openly copied it as opposed to just taking like cherry picking just enough to make you want to watch a better movie. Let me, let me ask you a question. I'm going to pump the brakes for a moment. Yes. I unfortunately watched this movie twice Uh before I really paid attention to what the hell's going on for this conversation. Uh At this point in the film, did you know that Amanda Waller was the person that they're going to rescue? And is that known by people who give a shit about this movie or later when it's revealed that that's who they saved? Is it meant to be a big surprise? It, It is not known it is meant to be a big surprise. It just isn't. Right. Because when it happens, I was like, oh, did I just miss something earlier that they said we're at the top of the, you know, insert hidden Easter egg name building here and rescue us? Like, all right, I just I quit, I just didn't give a shit. So, OK, whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't know why it was a big, hairy secret 
that they were going to rescue Amanda Waller. Who gives a shit? It was like they were being forced to do whatever. The mission didn't matter. That's the whole point. Right. Oh, this movie's so bad. Once we get into this building, Harley Quinn takes off and jumps in an elevator. And then there's a needless scene of her fighting some of these bubble heads. And, uh, or, you know, herpes not so simplex, one might say. Coming in at number five on the countdown is 1997's hit Come Baby Come by K7, a song that is most likely about a woman having an orgasm. Back to our movie, Suicide Squad. So she also gets a text from uh, the Joker here saying, I'm close to ready. And it's like, quit being such a cock tease. You know, like two messages in a row now are just almost, I'm almost there, baby. Tell me when you're going to be five minutes out, you know? I don't need to know that you're stopping off and you're getting a thing and you got to get gas. Just show up when you show up. How about that? In this elevator scene where Harley Quinn does some hand-to-hand combat with a bunch of these identity-less monsters, she shoots one in the head and the other one she used some choreographed fighting to take care of business it's just completely implausible and then when the elevator opens like her whole team is there ready to do battle with you know whatever monsters may have shown up on the elevator and you know as she walks out she's like you know hey guys what's going on whatever you know it's just me i took care of business the the problem with it is it doesn't it's not funny and it does nothing to help shape the character or move her forward or any of that. Like all it is, is just characters saying stuff. And I know this sounds like frustratingly vague, but that's the problem is all of this is so vague. None of these characters mean anything. The movie decides to become another movie uh, and remind me of something better again, where it decides to be aliens for a second, Mm -hmm. uh, where Waller uh, is like, Hey, Rick flag, I'm doing a scan. And, uh, you're surrounded. It says that these monsters are all over the place. And he's like, that's impossible. There's nothing here. And she's like, no, trust me. Them bitches are right there. And he's like, no, I, I can't see a thing. And then they fall, like literally fall through the ceiling, like in aliens. I thought that they fall like Kato attacking Clouseau. <laughs> that too. Again, just a total cut and paste of, Hey, remember that scene from a movie that was pretty good. And so there's a, an action scene where they fight these monsters and nothing, there's nothing really notable about these action scenes, which is another big problem of the movie is it's just the same thing over and over again, where Will Smith shoot stuff, Harley Quinn, you know, like dance boxes, and then ultimately shoots, uh, some of these monsters. Katana's got her sword, but it's not Diablo is just chilling out in the back right. being a conscientious observer. Uh-huh. But none of it is really, even at the end of the movie, none of it ever comes together. Like, and I hate to keep using like Avengers as an example, but you know, where it's like, oh, well, Captain America is going to use his shield to reflect Iron Man's laser beams and it's going to shoot four dudes at once. And it's a cool thing that can only happen because they're working together. And none of that ever happens in this movie where like, it doesn't matter. Like there's a, kind of a hint at one point of like we should be a team and where that seems to be a point of contention for about i don't know 12 seconds and then it never is again it's just yet another dropped thread of this film um and it's a real bummer during this scene 
Deadshot finally gets Diablo so riled up by tapping him on the head with his fingers and saying, I'm touching you. I'm touching you. Really? (laughs) Right. Well, he can't say the things uh, in a PG-13 movie that would be fun to hear, you know, a serial killer say to (laughs) a guy who birds people up, you know? But yeah, it's a big to do where like they they're on a balcony and there's some dudes shooting them from above and you know Will Smith goads him into becoming uh death incarnate and it's like finally here's a superhero and I actually thought this looked kind of cool but he's like Popeye he's like that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more and he just fires out <laughs> fire out of his hands and burns all of these people not to mention the rest of the building. He sets this whole building on fire. Yeah, yeah, things are getting cool, Chad. Finally. <laughs> and then, like, we got to pump the brakes on that because, God forbid, this movie should entertain me for three consecutive minutes. Right, because you got to head over to the spiral staircase from Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. And then Deadshot groans as they climb the stairs. And then Harley Quinn says, where are we in reference to, you know, what floor they're on. And, um, and they're like, like, Oh, it looks like we're in the teens somewhere. And then Vinkman says, well, let me know when I get to 20, I'm going to throw up. It's a pretty funny line. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you see Bill Murray, it's, it's weird to see him in this, but I forgot he was every time I forget he's in it for some unknown reason. We interrupt act three, Jesus Christ with a flashback to see Harley Quinn and the Joker, remember he's in this movie, uh-huh. and they're standing up, I hate this movie, they're standing up above these vats of acid, or maybe it's paint, or cream of mushroom soup, I don't know exactly. It's the Ace Chemicals, like, in, in like you would never know this, but in theory, this is what Joker fell into to, to make him Joker. I, and, and this, and he's like, would you die for me? I just said that. Would you live for me? I hated Jared Leto in this yeah. film. I I hate I hated it. It's it's too much. It it just God, I just hated Never it. Never met a scene he couldn't chew, Chad. And he felt like watching Jack Palance. Well, and it's yeah yeah. Except Jack Palance is more restrained. Yes. <laughs> the thing that's weird about it, like when you watch this performance and think about what a hell he made for people on set. He was like shitting in Tupperware and sending it to you. And he was punching your mom in the mouth. And just like for you're in this movie, like eight minutes and you were being such a colossal fuck off. And you're like for this, for this shitty performance, you're going to be that kind of jerk. Like at least uh, with the Andy Kaufman thing, it turned out to be a pretty good movie. You know, I mean, I don't condone it, but it's all right. And he was the main part of the whole movie. This is like that fucking like Scrat in the Ice Age films. He just sort of pops in to look for an acorn and then he disappears for the rest of the film. Well, all right. So Harley Quinn then swan dives off the uh, the platform into the vat of chemicals because that's what was implied in his questions, I guess. Then Joker like is walking away and then has this moment where he's like, ah, oh, I guess I'll shave her and takes off his coat and very stylishly leaps into... Uh, the vat of chemicals, aka belly flops, 
and then dives in after and pulls her up. Like when he jumps in the vat, it looks like the vat is about 400 feet deep. And then of course he's standing in it with her as he pulls her back to the surface and colors are swirling around and her face has now turned alabaster and they kiss. And again, in in a better movie with a different Joker, like I think her Harley Quinn's kind of fine. A better Joker, this might have been an okay scene. So you're saying in a different movie with a different script, with a different director and a different soundtrack in a different universe with a different actor, this might've been a better movie. Yes, exactly. Mm, So basically if you changed everything, it might've come out. Okay. Couldn't hurt Chad. Couldn't hurt. You know what? I agree with that. Let's go back to that spiral staircase from Ghostbusters and snap Harley Quinn out of her reminiscing. And at this point she pulls her gun on Deadshot and he's like, he's like, Hey white woman, what are you doing? And she's like, have you ever been in love? He's like, nah, that's bullshit. You know, I'm hardcore. Ah, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. And he says, I don't feel shit like man does what I do. You can't feel shit like love, which is the the sociopath side of it. And I will say to this film's credit, later uh, at the end of the movie, when his daughter says that she loves him, he does not say that he loves her. He is not a good. No, guy. he is a murderer. Is what he is. And if this were a cooler movie, that would be fun. Anyway, it turns out, of course, as we mentioned, it, the person they're there to save is Amanda Waller, and it's a big, hairy surprise, uh, as we pointed out. And then uh, when they're in the control center where Waller is, it's Deadshot and Flag in there, and she's like, okay, all the drives are wiped, good. And then she murders everybody in there that isn't uh, Rick Flag or Deadshot, and there's a moment where like Will Smith is like, you are mean. And again... And this is not the right movie for this joke, but I can see where that would work. So she's a bad guy? Well, look, in a a perfect world, this movie would exist in a morally gray area where the good guys are kind of bad and the bad guys are kind of good. But that's sort of here. It's just nothing is done with it. You keep talking about this movie. Like it's a fucking horrible person that you're dating. Like, you know, if he, if he just didn't hit me so much, he'd be fine. If he didn't constantly put me down and call me a piece of shit, he'd really be a handsome, charming prince. Like I am the Harley Quinn to this movie's Joker where no matter what it does to me, I'm like, Oh, it's okay. He didn't mean it. I just, I fell down the stairs. The movie pushed me. It's kind of crazy in a way I like. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's problematic because there are so many points where I'm like, man, this could have been good. This could have been like a really cool, dark movie that had like a sense of humor about itself, but also was gruesome and, and had a good time being so. And, and the number one thing to do that is you needed to make all of the bad guys bad yes. guys. They can't all be misunderstood heroes that have been, you know, cast as bad guys, but, you know, sort of scratch the surface. They're really good guys. Right. They needed to be shitty, horrible people. Yeah, yeah, and and like when Slipknot goes, one of them should have been pulling the trigger, you know? Yes, it should have been... Deadshot. If, yeah. if Slipknot had gone away and he shot and killed him and said, I'm not risking this for that asshole, 
then okay. And by the way, are there any golden retriever puppies uh, sleeping in Christmas stockings? I'll shoot one of them too right I now. I won't even shoot it. I'll just step on its face. That's <laughs> that's how hardcore Deadshot is. Yeah, that would have been great. Uh, but anyway, they emerge and the team is not thrilled that it's Waller. What? But again, kind of who cares? Like, what what does it matter? You no. did the thing they told you to do and, and you're going to be rewarded, theoretically. Anyway, so they're like, why wouldn't we just kill now that you're both here? Why don't we just kill both of you? And I ask, why ask the question? Why not just do it? If if like right. Harley Quinn is really that crazy, why wouldn't she? But she doesn't. And then Amanda Waller says like, hey, remember the the neck bombs I've got and on my phone app. And then brazenly walks through uh, the rogues gallery here uh, to prove that she is not afraid of them. And so they go up to the roof and the chopper, sure enough, is there. But, Chad, they're not responding to uh, to calls. What's going on? Well, Rick Flagg is like, oh my god, somebody jacked that chopper! Which is a real line in the movie that made me happy. And then the chopper opens fire on the roof and because it has been taken over by uh, the Joker. Wouldn't they be worried that they might kill Harley Quinn? She's not bulletproof. Well, in... <laughs> Here's me making excuses again. In theory, the Joker sort of has this sense that, like, if she dies for him, then that's kind of okay, too. You love this movie. I don't. No, I don't. I want to. I want there to you be do. a good movie about this stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like when I watch those later Die Hard movies, and I'm like, I really want this to be good, and it's not. <laughs> The Joker's men uh, then disarm Harley Quinn's internal explosive device because this movie needs that to happen. And then Harley Quinn runs and leaps into the air off of the building and grabs an awaiting rope that is dangling from the aforementioned jacked helicopter. Amanda Waller then tells Deadshot to kill harley quinn and she promises deadshot that in exchange he will have his freedom and he will get his daughter back so deadshot takes aim at harley quinn and he fires his gun and we see harley quinn fall and dangle from the rope so she is dead there is no honor among thieves and finally we are seeing that one of our bad guys is truly a bad guy. Right. Looking right, out bro? for himself first. That's it. Numero uno. Oh, not so fast. Wait, if what? If you keep the Binox trained on one Harley Quinn on the rope, Chad, she is dancing around like a Cirque du Soleil person again. Just kidding. See, I ain't dead. Pull me up, Mr. J. <laughs> ain't I a stinker? And Will Smith is like, I guess I missed. And she's like, fuck you, man. You have one job to do, which is to shoot things. Captain Boomerang says, good one, mate. Why? Oh, right. You, he fucked your deal. What loyalty do you have to him? Even if you're both heroes like and, and not self-described bad guys, what makes you a team at this point other than you're all in the same geographical location? Anyway. This movie is just a tragedy. It is so bad. It's, it's real rotten. Waller, it just does what she should have done in the first place, which is to call the, the army or whatever and be like, shoot that helicopter down. And then the helicopter gets hit by a missile and Harley Quinn falls out. I, I just want to, I want to break this down. Harley Quinn pulls herself into the helicopter. And so she's reunited with the Joker. Yeah. 
who is dressed who's dressed in this tuxedo and he tells harley quinn that he has some grape soda and a bearskin rug waiting for them which i would expect that type of an offer from leon phelps but not so much from the clown prince of me yeah i like the crazy ones but this one is a little crazy even for even for me if you know what i mean this episode is full of more callbacks than anything we've ever yeah done. well it's a finale it's like a clip show <laughs> it's the clip show of pick six movies this season <laughs> the reunion of harley quinn and the joker again is short-lived because the helicopter gets blowed up and harley quinn falls slash jumps out of the back of this helicopter like a good 200 feet it's, to the rooftop below. It's insane. She, 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 like she was at terminal velocity, you know? Yes. <laughs> and she just hits the ground and she's like, it's like tuck and roll. Uh-huh. Oof. And you're, you're okay. Oof. I, I think I broke a heel, Mr. J. And yeah, it, there is, this movie has no peril. She, Every single scene, whenever anyone is in danger, you're never concerned about their final hour. Her shins would shoot through her kneecaps like an engine throwing a rod, Chad. Once everybody survived that first helicopter crash, we as the viewing audience knew there is no chance of any of our principals in this movie being killed within act one and act two and the majority of act three, you're going to find a greater sense of suspense watching a duck season rabbit season (laughs) Warner brothers cartoon in worrying about one of your principals actually dying. Ain't nobody getting killed. Right. When Slipknot gets it, it's like, oh, the guy we met three minutes ago. All right. I don't think anything on the soundtrack is going to be referred to as <laughs> Requiem for Slipknot. <laughs> Not at all. It'll be, it, 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 at best, it's maybe like, like, say goodbye to what's his name. In, in this scene, Harley Quinn rushes over to the edge of the rooftop with her shins uh, uh, exploding with blood and bone. And she sees the helicopter that still included the Joker inside explode. So guess what? I'm 100% certain he's dead. Sure. Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. One of the least uh, impactful moments in this film, full of duds. Is this one? Oh, is the Joker dead? Fuck you. Is Did he land on Batman? Did he kill both of them? Oh, no. Guess what? Superman was holding Batman. They're all dead now. <laughs> the helicopter was made of kryptonite. Stop it. Amanda Waller then tells the remaining Suicide Squad uh, that, hey, the Joker and Harley Quinn, they're dead. So you're never going to see them again. Wink, wink. And all of the Suicide Squad is really sad. And then Amanda Waller, she leaves in her own helicopter um, that as it departs the rooftop, it just shoots fireworks off. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, why? I don't know why that Showboat. happened. Showboat. <laughs> I really don't. Like, was it chaff to, like, you know, uh, try to distract missiles coming? I don't... But, uh, it, conscious, well-meaning adults created this movie and it doesn't make any damn sense yeah so the helicopter gets hentied by the big monster the incubus Incubus, and and it goes down and a bunch of bubble faces uh show up at the down chopper uh to get 
Waller. Right. And then the Pentagon reaches out to Colonel Rick Flag. And they're like, and the Suicide Squad, and they're like, hey, you guys got to go save Waller. All right. Because without her, there's no deal with the Suicide Squad. And so they have to go rescue her again. This time, they know who they're going to rescue. Right. I mean, I guess that's the difference. And fine. I mean, it doesn't change anything, though. And it starts to rain. Because we have a sad moment coming up. And it's like the movie turns into a hot topic for a minute where... They come out into the rainy streets, and there uh, sits Harley Quinn uh, in the rain saying, ah, I missed you guys. And there's sort of this moment where, like, everyone has this, like, welcome back Harley Quinn kind of thing. Dude, she just left, like, four minutes ago. Right, and she's crying, like, you know, she saw Deadshot kill that dog. And you're just like, I don't, what is her character? Like, I understand that she's supposed to be all emotional about the Joker's death, but also why then go back to prison? Uh, I mean, and and there's, there's an argument to be made for that behavior. You just have to tell the audience uh, as opposed to just like, I don't know, guess she just likes them. So they're off to save Waller. And speaking of Waller, the Incubus takes Waller's thumb and opens up the silver attache case that has Gozar, the Enchantress, Enchantress. heart in it. And they put this heart back into her chest and she is going to finish building her weapon to destroy the world's armies or something <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask you very pointedly chad what does this machine do is it a machine she it calls it looks, a machine uh maybe she, that word means something different in her world she's six thousand years old you know a, a machine could have just been like a sandcastle do you think this is all just a semantic misunderstanding and, oh they were worshiping me all along I think the semantic misunderstanding was we're making a movie as opposed to a convoluted mishmash of bullshit that people may watch for money. (laughs) So she uh, says, how do I beat your armies? And the response, like from Waller, she's like, do your worst, bitch. And you're like, ugh, none of this is good. And then our suicide squad finds our downed helicopter, um, and their Deadshot finds a top secret folder that has the plot of the movie in it. Do you think something that is truly top secret says top secret? I, on would, it? I would not imagine. I'm sure it says something like for such and such eyes only or code something clearance, something like that. But to stamp something just like top secret, look in here. You know, like that's what I see when I when I see a top secret <laughs> folder just left out in the open. Of course I'm gonna read it. Like, what if there's That's something cool thought. inside? <laughs> if something, if somebody tells you that something is not just secret, but it is top secret, then it's way better than anything you know about. You, one would think. When we see this top secret binder, I got all excited. I was like, hey, finally, we're going to get some explanation as to what in the hell's going on in this movie. But boy, was <laughs> yeah, I wrong. They do a flashback of the scene where Enchantress. The Enchantress. Of her escape. And it's just the same scene we already saw. Just slightly right. longer. And I was like, <laughs> what did she do different? 
nothing. <laughs> hey, everybody, let's go get drunk in a bar. <laughs> yeah. So let's just take a break from this movie. Like, we have reached peak absurdity where we just had a flashback that was the same scene we saw before. So it's like, just like, everybody, let's take five. <laughs> let's try to figure out what is going on and what we need to do to wrap this movie up. During this scene, we get more context about how the Suicide Squad will somehow take the fall for all of this. I don't know how you're going to pin this on a group of random people who have no superpowers. Like, you, you cannot go lower level. This is definitely going higher up on the food chain when it comes to asses being grass. During this scene, we learn that Diablo, who hasn't done shit in this movie, well, excuse me, he burned those people and set that high-rise on fire. Diablo uh, killed his wife and his kids when he lost his temper. And this whole scene really disrupts the movie at this point. And and this is in a movie that is is completely absent of any true pacing. But when we sort of downshift into this like I burned up my wife and my kids. I was a drug dealer. You know, one, two, three, tic-tac-toe. I burned them up. Like, you know, I'm not going to do this again. You're just like, why are we detouring off into this bullshit? Why is Diablo standing and delivering? <laughs> That's all he can do. So, yeah, it, it, it does throw the emergency brake on this movie. And it's also another example of this crazy superpower where as he's doing this performance art where he's telling the story of this tragedy of his life, he's got a flame shaped like a, a, a human lady dancing. And then he puts a cup over it when he could just, you know, not have it there anymore <laughs> because he has control over fire, apparently. No, no, no. It has to be a bit of a show with Diablo. And you really start to get the impression that with the tattoos, like all that stuff is less about like intimidation than it is about showmanship. We are given this dumb reason to care about a character that has not done like to your point has only done kind of one thing in the movie and has not really been a big deal. And he's suddenly a very big deal in the third act, right? which is frustrating because you're like, this all should have happened much sooner. But nobody was paying attention to how this stuff is supposed to be doled out in stories. And then uh, Flag comes in and starts grousing about how June Moon ugh, is the only woman he ever cared about. And the witch is scared of him because of this love triangle. I don't understand any of this shit. That is not even a little bit explained. No. And so he smashes the net controller thing. And and actually, here's another moment I like in the movie where as soon as he does that, Captain Boomerang runs out the door. And it's like, great, we should, yeah, we should never see that character again in this movie. I have those exact words. We should never see his character again that he was like, I'm free, yoink, gone. <laughs> right. That would be a good joke. But they don't do no, that. Not, we don't even wait two minutes. To let that be a thing. Like, he doesn't even Han Solo around at the end of the movie. Rick Flagg apparently has been carrying around a bunch of children's letters on uh -huh. his person because he just decides at this point, like, hey, I've been uh, keeping these in my pants. 
Here's all your daughter's letters to you. She writes you every day. Is that sweet or is that frighteningly excessive? <laughs> it's uh, it's a little excessive. Like that kid's got a lot of therapy ahead of her for sure for a number of reasons. What does a child say in a letter that she writes every day? I got to be honest, man. I I think they are boring and at best they're full of schoolyard gossip i think that's what they're full of i think it's a lot of (laughs) you're never gonna believe what terry did today (laughs) when we were at recess i told her i would give her my chocolate milk and she said that she would give me some fig newtons in return but she didn't want my chocolate milk she wanted me to kiss johnny and i was like you can go right to hell terry (laughs) (laughs) right he rocks himself to sleep with those but like Will Smith like reads through these and he's just like, you know what? I'm going to stop this thing. So my daughter doesn't think I'm a piece of shit. Lofty goals there. Deadshot lofty goals. And also as soon as she hits her teenage years, good luck trying. Am I right? (laughs) So, So Harley Quinn is just like, okay, I'll go too. Yeah. She grabs her bat and she calls everyone else in the room. Pussies. Yeah. And then everyone else is like, okay, I guess we're going to go. And then Captain Boomerang just pokes his head back into the scene. He's like, yeah, me too, mate. And it's like, oh, that sucks. Why are you back? Why are you back so soon? Anyway, then they, so they're creeping up on the Monstars. And Captain Boomerang is less boomerangy than Droney here. Because he just flies a drone (laughs) over to look at what's going on. So he's more like Captain Flying shit. It's a real page out of those rock steady batman video games like i'd never seen that shit before until that and i was like oh you just ripped that right off. if you hit the left bumper then right. you launch the drone and then you can tag your enemies and uh will will smith is like well we need to take out the big guy first and rick flag is like hey you're never gonna believe this we got a bomb right under here and they're like, why do you have a bomb over there? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know if they even explained it. And they decide that they were going to go get that and get the, like, put the bomb directly underneath the dude and blow that up. I hate hearing us talk about this movie. <laughs> it's so fucking convoluted and shitty. But then, they, all right, here's one of the top, I don't know, 10 dumbest things that happens in the movie where Killer Croc goes over to the divers because they don't go to Killer Croc first to be like, hey, we got a water thing in the sewers and we came to you first because that seems to be kind of the the milieu that your thing within which you work. And instead of that, they're going to send some divers in and Killer Croc has to be like, hey, you guys want my help? And they're like, fuck you, weirdo. And he's like, you know, uh, this is kind of where I live. And they're like, okay, I guess. And it's like, why do you have them here then? If not to like work in the sewers. Why do they even have the frogmen? Right. You've you, got him. going down like what? Do- You've got <laughs> a so- living crocodile. That's the whole reason that he's here. So, but, and they tell him not to. And he's just like, I'm going to go anyway because I belong in this movie. God damn And so I don't know why he went Cajun Brimley. But then. <laughs> katana oh yeah i forgot she's in this right movie. she just pops in to like talk to her whore or her sword and everyone's just like okay i guess it's the end of the movie let's suit up and then 
speaking of top tens, one of the top ten most hysterical things that happens here, where we cut over to Enchantress. The Enchantress. And she's doing some crazy dance as she's like, come out. I know you're here. It is as if she were voguing and you just turn the speed up on it or something. It's weird. And dumb. It's a bad performance. It's yeah, it's awkward and uncomfortable. It's like someone who doesn't know how to act is in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And so she says, I know what you really want. Do you like it when Deadshot tells Colonel Rick Flag that he needs to get up there and smack his old lady on the ass and tell her to cut this shit out? You know, again, Come on. in a better movie. Come on. That would land Come well on, in this movie, but it's just I'm I'm so beaten down at this point. Like that is Come coming on. on the heels of seeing Carla de doing this stupid dance, and it's just like I can't care about any of this. Get up there and smack your old lady on the ass and tell her to cut this shit out. Like that's it. What it was, it was funny as can be, but it it just reminded me of how Will Smith shouldn't be playing this character because he's way too charming and likable. Yeah, yeah. And so what the Enchantress, the Enchantress is doing to everyone is giving them their deepest desires. Like Flag is imagining June Moon in, <laughs> in bed with him. Diablo is hanging around a breakfast table with his wife and kids. And, and they're not they don't look like baby. right and then harley quinn is with like in a suburban house with her and joker but they're both normal and they've got a couple of kids and yeah his joker out of makeup looks like jared Kushner. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah surprisingly so now that you say it and then captain boomerang is just drinking a beer I didn't see his part. A dead shot's fantasizing about killing Batman, so that's pretty right, good. right. Killing fucking Batman, which that's his greatest. Like, wouldn't his daughter? Be, anyway, doesn't matter. And no, he, his his greatest fantasy is killing Batman. Like, holy shit, that's awesome. So yeah, it was pretty. I mean, smacking him on the ass, tell him to cut this shit aim out. High. <laughs> and then Diablo like rejects. He's like, no, none of this is real. And then he wakes him up, kinda. He's like, Orle Vato, hey, Andale, Andale. <laughs> I think I think this may be racist. Probably. I think I'm just doing Speedy Gonzales. I think you're kind of doing a weird blend of of Cheech Marin characters. And that sounds about right. You know what? That's the majority. <laughs> like that's that's my inspiration for the majority <laughs> of Hispanic voices that sure. I do. Like how, how are they not? <laughs> hey, hey Vato. Yeah. <laughs> no. Meet you guy, man. No, I can smell it. Sometimes when you gotta go real bad, you can't. And then I took off her socks. Ooh, ooh. Uh, so, <laughs> Will Smith at this point announces, Lady, you are evil. Ugh. And then uh, the Enchantress. The Enchantress. Asks Diablo, how long have you been able to see? And he he's like, what do you, like since I was a kid or something. And then she says, brother. They do not kneel. Make them. And then we cut to the bubble faces who are fighting soldiers underwater. And then Diablo is telling the Suicide Squad, hey, I can help distract Incubus. And he says, let me show you what I really am. And then he just becomes a giant fire monster. Just a big, like with a headdress and all kinds of shit. Like a big skeleton Aztec god. Yeah. 
That can happen now. <laughs> so, yeah, right. That's a thing, apparently. Down in the flooded subway tunnels, we get to see Killer Croc. And he's fighting off these bubblehead monsters. And there's a few other divers down there. And they're working to place this bomb on the floor. Right. The divers do it instead of Killer Croc, which... Why even have him in this scene? Like, he had to beg to be in the scene to begin with. And now you won't let him do anything except punch these dumb bubblehead things. Because <laughs> literally, the soldiers put the bomb on the thing. He doesn't do anything but fight a little bit. No, he doesn't do anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Up topside, Diablo pushes the incubus into the corner of the room where they need him to be to set off the bomb. And at this point, they're like, detonate the bomb so the bomb blows up and blows up the incubus mm -hmm. and then diablo gets blowed up as well as the divers down below and finally we have the death of a character that was at least in our movie right yes i guess yeah so that is uh, diablo in theory is gone and then everyone is like all right, well, that's that's a real bummer. I guess we have to fight harder. But then Deadshot says to the Enchantress, the Enchantress, you're next. And then Deadshot, Rick Flag, Harley Quinn, Boomerang, Katana, Winston Zeddemore, and anyone else that's on set all confront our movie's villain in force. And it's just one versus many for about... I don't know what two minutes. Yeah, like the one of the most realistic moments in this is when Harley Quinn hits uh, Enchantress, Enchantress with a bat, and then which does nothing, and um, and immediately no. she's like sorry, and then the Enchantress, Enchantress just boots her like thirty feet across the roof, but it doesn't matter. She kicks her straight up in the pussy and knocks her across. Mm -hmm. the room. Mm -hmm. But also during this scene, the machine is fully functional and it's just blasting out lasers across planet Earth and it's ripping through satellites in space and it's ripping through uh, aircraft carriers, like aircraft, yeah. Car yeah, aircraft carriers. You're just like, what the hell is going on in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's great. to We get to see all that stuff happen like on TV, you know? Live. Oh man, it's, it's just the worst. <laughs> Colonel Rick Flag, he yells out, "You gotta cut her heart out," you know. So the Enchantress, the Enchantress, she starts jumping around and just beating the shit out of everybody, uh, with nobody doing any damage to her. And then finally, she just kind of like whips her arms and disarms everyone around her which why didn't she do that early on does she just like the the spirit of the game she's there to yeah. you know tangle a little bit like let's see what's going getting, on getting in some cardio love of the game sure and yeah it, it is just like she magnetos everyone's weapons off of them she's like i'm gonna give you one more chance essentially i'm either gonna destroy all of you or you can join me and and be you know my willing servant all you have to do is bow and blah 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 and Harley Quinn is like, that doesn't sound like such a bad deal. If you're watching this movie and or have ever seen another movie ever, uh, you know that this is all a ruse. And she's <laughs> she approaches uh, Enchantress and I find 
the enchantress. All right, well, a little bit of a delay. She eyeballs Katana's sword, and so when she gets close to Enchantress, Enchantress. she whips the sword up, cuts her chest open, and grabs her heart. And then Harley Quinn throws a gun to Deadshot. They take the, the heart and, like, strap it to a bomb and throw it up at the machine and then killer crocs in there he throws it it's just it's just stupid it's just awful yeah and so deadshot shoots the bomb which blows up and destroys the machine that does whatever yeah but hold on but because this movie doesn't know how to pace itself once the enchantress enchantress sees the bomb heading towards her machine she creates this vision of deadshot's daughter and her daughter shows up. And she's like, please, daddy, don't do it. Please, dad, you know, don't. But then Deadshot is not convinced. And then he shoots the bomb. He gives it a real, like, <laughs> like a scream. It's so f- stupid. And then finally, Colonel Rick Flagg crushes the witch's heart after the bomb is going on, after the bomb has gone off. And then at this point, Dr. June Moon. <laughs> uh, because she and the the witch are one and the same she's gone and so she's dead but then wait and there's this mud crusted body containing lewis tully or dr june moon and then she just peels away this outer shell that was encasing her body to reel that dr june moon really isn't dead so we're probably gonna need to dissect you sounds great it, yeah, yeah it's Jesus real dumb it just... and and then like after we pull dana barrett i mean june moon out of the uh sludge waller shows up and is like hey remember this control do- device i got he may have broken his but i've still got mine and and it's like <laughs> well i thought they were all de- uh doesn't matter then we cut from that to Deadshot helping his daughter with uh, hitman geometry so so waller shows up waller has her device and then she's like, you guys are all going back to prison. And Deadshot says, I want to be able to see my daughter. And then Harley Quinn says she wants an espresso machine. And then Killer Croc says he wants BET, which is Black Entertainment Television. Uh-huh. He, I think I think he could have asked for more. And then Captain Boomerang, he just makes a bunch of threats. So he didn't get jack shit. And then in the next scene, we see Deadshot sitting in the kitchen with his daughter explaining geometry. And she is understanding the basic concepts of this by using examples of how her father kills people in real life. I really don't think he accomplished his goal of making sure that his daughter doesn't think that he's a piece of shit. Right. This is the exact opposite. You're just training a killer now. At this point, the feds show up and they take Deadshot away. And so he got to see his daughter and, you know, it's a good moment. And when you watch this, you're just like, man, Will Smith is a very likable actor. Why is he playing an unlikable character? Don't do this again. Right. You know who would be perfect for this? Tom Cruise. Because when he plays Mm. someone that you don't like, he's quite good. Should he have been in blackface? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Then you really wouldn't have liked him. (laughs) Right. And and talking a lot about Scientology in between action scenes. (laughs) But then Queen plays and we're all back in jail. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Because one more time. And at number one, 
in the countdown. It's Freddie Mercury and Queen with Bohemian Rhapsody. And you know what? Just remember to keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stuff. <laughs> so Harley Quinn is making espresso and a bunch of dudes bust in and surprise, surprise, it's the Joker. And he says, let's go home. The end. Oh, not so fast, Chad. Because after a particularly sassy set of uh, title credits, we get a mid credit scene because this is a superhero film and there are things to do. Right. And we have a real banger of a scene this time around, Chad, where Amanda Waller is back at, you know, Larry's Steakhouse because we can't have a scene in this movie where she is not eating a, a fine side of beef. <laughs> Except now she's with Bruce Wayne. And <laughs> it's all you can eat prime rib. Oh, pass the horse I mean, radish. Can you believe it? All you, all you can eat. You know how much I can eat? I've, I've been to the bathroom four times so far. It's so good. It's just the best. Bruce Wayne uh, is like, hey, I want a bunch of these files on, on the Justice League. And I'm going to keep, you know, all the, the story of your little team in, in Midgard or Midway City or whatever it is on the down low. And he says, you know, you look tired. You should, uh, uh, you should take care of yourself. And she says, you look tired. You need to stop working nights. And he says, yeah, well, how about this, lady? You should shut it down, or me and my friends are going to do it for you, see? And and <laughs> and end of movie. I was just like, okay, I, so you're teasing a Justice League v. Suicide Squad movie? Or weren't these just the good guys? Oh, it's no. just, this is a really rotten film. And it it's, in one way, it's a shame to end the, the season on it. In another way... How could we not? The question I have for you, Bo, yeah. now that we have finished up six DC-inspired films, I'm going to ask you to rank these movies from the movie that you would want to watch again most to the movie that you would want to watch again least. Okay. And, and I know it's going to be tough. The movie I want to watch again most is clearly Return of Swamp Thing. Agreed. Uh, that is that is maybe the best thing we'll ever do. <laughs> Second place, like they're all tied for shit after that. Um, after that, I would probably watch uh, Justice League again. I mean, <laughs> boy, this is a real murderer's row of god awful movies. Yeah, I would probably get Return of Swamp Thing, Justice League, <laughs> Steel. Catwoman, Supergirl, and Suicide Squad. How about how about Return of Swamp Thing, and then you just punch me in the face. <laughs> I'm gonna go Return of Swamp Thing. Uh, Supergirl is next, just because. And then, God, yeah, because hold on, sigh. Right, Return of Swamp Thing, Supergirl. Steel, Justice League, Catwoman, Suicide Squad. Yeah, those bottom two seem locked. For everyone at the bottom, shame on you. You had way much more money and you should have known better. Yeah, Return so. of Swamp Thing, a movie made for $7 million, looks like two, is clearly the most entertaining thing we, we watched <laughs> this season. Ever? I mean, really. As soon, <laughs> Look, we said it during the episode. Any... <laughs> Any scene with Omar and Daryl is the 
best movie you've ever seen. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, we got to hide the pornography. <laughs> it's, I mean, that scene alone is is worth its weight in gold. Shall we tease? Like, obviously, we're going to take some time off and, and recalibrate. Should we tease the next season? Absolutely. So uh, we're we're going into springtime. It is a, a time for love and lovers. And therefore, our next season will be titled, You Can Do It! Yeah. And we mean it. It's going to feature six movies that are completely about one topic, and that topic is sex. So come back, no pun intended, and join us as we discuss six motion pictures that at their core are about one thing and one thing only doing it. Mm. Tis the season, <laughs> you know what I mean? Spring's right around the corner, time to get sexy, all that pollen floating around. Stamens and pistols, zygotes, mm. yodas. <laughs> As always, like, rate, review. Just tell somebody if you enjoy the show. Send us an email. Uh, reach out to us. We're on the internet. You know how to find us. It's pretty easy, yeah. you know, if you know what the hell's going on. So, Bo, any final thoughts on this uh, this season of The Old Men and DC? I, I'll tell you, the, the one thought I had as we were wrapping this up was we have enough for a second season of just DC movies. We will most likely come back and do another six at some point in time. Yeah, like it, it, it was a real embarrassment of riches when it came to <laughs> shitty DC-based movies. So get your act together, DC. Hey, hey, there's a whole movie with me. Can you believe it? Whole movie. Guess what, brother? Next movie, horror movie called The Trench. Ain't that some badass shit? <laughs> Just based on that alone, we're probably going to do a sequel to this season. So... Put that in your hip pocket and, and hold it for a few months. We'll be back again, I'm sure. Until next season, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we'll be back in a few weeks.